butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. There's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week. And all the horror stuff that they think is neat. Hanging loose doing ridiculous read. Not cause we deserve it, cause it's what we need. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome. To Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. My name is John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Christopher! Christopher! Hey. What's up, uh, Super Superman? Uh, doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, you know, this and that. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm getting ready to go to... I go to Vegas the day this that this comes out, I guess. I'll be in Vegas, so I'm about to leave, so... Fancy man. Yep, and I'll be there with a you know award award winning splatterpunk award winning nominee winning author and uh, friend of the show Wesley uh, Wesley South Southern uh, Wesley Q Southern. He's an award winner, by the way. He he's won. He's, he's right. He's, he's... No, I said he's a winner, and but he's also a current nominee. That is true. So when you were saying it, I just wanted to clarify. I'm more excited to see his wife Katie than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that uh, he would expect any less, mm-hmm. but but it's gonna be uh, but you know maybe uh, I'll I'll talk about it the next time that we're here. Okay, okay. But what about you? My my plans for the week? Uh, I'm getting my second COVID shot. I know you you just went and got your second oh, yeah. one. Got uh, mine today. That's uh, on. fresh. Fresh. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's I. I I don't have any other real plans for the week. Just that. Hey, we. Oh, so I was going to ask you this: Have you seen Terminator: Dark Fate, the latest one? No. I watched it this week, and it was pretty fucking rad, dude. Mm, like really? you like an Arnold, like you would like it, man. Like he doesn't come even come into like the last third of the movie, but it's so badass. Mm. I thought it was really cool, super actiony. It's like supposed to be like it picks up right after t2 like you fucking throw out the other ones. right those right. aren't canon anymore those are just like a yeah they game. they pulled like, uh they pulled like a halloween uh, on they, <laughs> like they just like we're just starting over again and again and now yeah. we're starting over again yeah yeah it was like when bud was grandmaster b like it was all just a dream that al was having <laughs> so well no it's like it's like when they did halloween h2o you know when they were like okay all, like all the stuff that happened with four and five like that didn't happen and then years later, they did Halloween, the 
than the last Halloween movie. And they were like, yeah, let's forget that as well. Let's forget all of that too. You know, it's just like erasing movies that, so they can just, it's so they can just kind of like springboard off of the most popular one several times. It's like, Hey, we're, we're starting right at the end of that one that y'all actually liked, <laughs> you know, yeah. they do it yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. So, but I heard well, that I thought... that one, I heard that that one was good though. Like it was, it, it like was very unsuccessful, but apparently like people really like it. So I don't know what happened with it, but I mean, it, it really has a lot of action, like a lot of like good action, like the the opening. Once it gets going, holy shit, it's like 23 minutes of like straight action, running, yeah. fighting thing. And it's cool. Like the the new Terminator is like pretty sweet. You know, of course, he can do all like the weird bendy, like melty things, but he can split in two all this crazy shit. But Arnold's pretty badass. Like, I do have to say, yeah. I, I appreciated him in this in this role. Um, I I haven't watched a, a new Terminator movie since like part three, so I kind of gave up on him. I was just like, eh. He lives in Texas in this one. He lives in Laredo. So like Sarah Connor and like the, the characters, they have to go find him, right? They the, go to the, like the cyborg lives in Texas. He lives in Texas, yeah. So like I, you have to just uh, so yeah, so I was gonna go... say he melts in the in the end of the second one, so it picks up. I mean, I'm sure there's time travel. There's all sorts. No, of it's not lines. him. It's a different Terminator. Right. There was like there was several of those Terminators that were like dropped to kill like John Connor. I guess that's mm -hmm. and then the one that kills him is the one that lives in Texas now, because they kill him in like the opening credits of the movie when he's 13 oh. years old. Like they just blow this little kid away with a shotgun twice. It's pretty rad. Um, but I like that part. Yeah, so that Terminator is the one that's still there, and he's like just living. But any, but he's in Texas, and I'm in Texas, and he oh, like so takes, therefore it's good. Yeah. No, listen, he takes them <laughs> into the shed, right? And it's just like they have. He turns on the lights, and there's like a billion weapon, like weapons all over, like guns, like you never like. And they're like, "What the fuck? Where'd you get all this stuff?" And he says, "Like, I still projected a seventy-four percent chance that civilization would crumble." So I amassed these weapons to protect my family. And then he and then he looks at the camera and he says, plus, this is Texas. And the uh, next shot is like them like just blowing shit away in his backyard. Yeah. I was like, I, I guarantee you, I, I don't know of many sure bets in this life, but I can tell you this. Every showing on every screen across the state of Texas when that movie came out, when that line was delivered. There was applause and cheering. Mm -hmm. Every single theater, I guarantee you, not a one was left out. Every right. showing, like clockwork. I'm telling you. I, I know you. that happened. I know it had to have happened, dude. Because even I was I, like, kind of like, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was pretty fun. Anyway, it's a cool movie if you want to watch it. It's total popcorn. It's not going to change the world, but yeah, I, I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know mild mild interest uh but like you know it came out and i was like oh i see what they're doing here they're bringing my sarah connor they're you know but i uh didn't have enough interest to go check it out at least not yet but i, I might get around to it one day no that's cool yeah i put it off for a long time too i just like was like well i'm gonna watch this well like i, I said i mean i i love the first terminator movie the, the first two i love those movies big time um, but the third one was the last one that I saw and it just was not good. And like all the other ones, like, was just like this, like when they would show the, like this, what the story was about, I was like, eh, a, I don't want to see that. And then, and everyone just said how bad they were, but this one, a lot of people say how good it is. So I don't know. I might have to check it out at some point. 
Maybe, maybe we'll see. I'll watch it if you'll watch Creed because we were talking before the show started, and you're Mister Mister Rocky. You love Rocky, or so you say. But I mentioned Creed. You have not seen either Creed movie, so I haven't. So if you, if you, and that's that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna lecture you. Already did. Okay. Uh, yes. But if you watch Creed, I'll watch uh, Dark Web or whatever the Me Terminator too. movie is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a date. You don't have to watch we'll, the second one. The second we'll be live streaming it. No. Yeah, just 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 watch the first one, man. That's a great. It's not only a, good, a really good entry in the Rocky series. It's also a really good boxing movie. Just the way that it's done, uh, mm. and the and the way that the fight scenes are filmed are, is really really great. Okay. So, yeah, no, it's it's very good. Well, I guess I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you will. I will. All right. Well, well speaking of uh, checking it out, probably time to move on to. Well, you're right. But before we do, um, speaking of checking out, someone very special checked out. Oh, um, shit. That's right. Yes. We, we do have to mention uh, a, a very lovely lady uh, passed away, Tony Katane, uh, the uh, actress and model and just all around heartthrob of the 80s and, and forward. Um, she passed away. Uh, relatively young, was she 59, 60 years old, something like that, right? 59? I, was it, was she that old? I thought she was in the early 50s, but maybe I'm probably wrong. No, uh, think, she's, in, she's in her 50s, so you're yeah, right. no, I believe it was, uh, see, now, now I feel like an idiot. We didn't, we didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. Is that she was, either way, she's still a MILF, GILF, whatever you want to do. <laughs> well, what well, my point is, yeah, 59. My point is, is that she was young. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but oh, yeah, uh, that too. That, that was that was the point. Is that she she was young? Um, of course, uh, it's well known that she had a lot of problems with uh, drugs and alcohol, but you know, no cause of death has been, you know, uh, uh, been made public yet as of this recording. Uh, but she, of course, was very famously in the in the White Snake video uh, featuring Steve Vai of White Snake, um, and <laughs> and uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of everyone knows her for that, but she was also she was like a, a music video honey in the '80s, particularly with mm-hmm. metal. Uh, and she was actually on the cover of Rats Out of the Cellar. Uh, yep. You know, so she was on the cover of a Rat album too. Like you know, and then she was also in those truly ridiculous Witchboard uh, horror movies uh, from I the like, '80s. I like those movies. Uh, They're ridiculous. I, they made ridiculous. like. They made like eighty of those movies, by the way. They made so many. They seem to have a new one every every week. Like in the well, like the first one 90. is especially good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the first one at least. Uh, you the know, one but she's in. She's in that one, yeah. It's good. I don't know. I don't know what you to say. I, I miss her already. I mean, oh, I do too. Uh, but a Witchboard uh, was a series of movies, but really, they came out with them really rapidly. Uh, they made like where, five of them within like two years or something. Where are they all showing? Are they streaming somewhere? I only find the no, first one like on. No, Shutter. I don't know. I don't know where they're streaming. What the fuck? I just I just remember oh, the movie. I thought we were gonna announce our watch party of all no, five. No, I just online. I just I think I think there's five of them. I think. Um, but any either at any, any rate, there, there's a lot of them, and they came out like boom, boom, boom back in the day. I'm talking about when I saw them way back. I haven't watched them since. I don't know if they're streaming somewhere. I don't own the fucking DVDs. Like I don't know. I'm just I'm talking not buying about, it a beer, dude. I'm not buying it it's a not beer. Taking dude. your turn, you know. <laughs> what, what the hell? Yeah. All right, I'm sorry. 
Well, people act, people these days, they act like, you know, like I was talking to this girl, you know, I was telling her like, you know, some, some, you know, she was asking me about horror films and which one she should look for. And I'm saying like, oh, you need to see In the Mouth of Madness. You need to see Lost Highway. And she's like, she's like oh, they're not on Netflix. They're not on this. And I'm like, well, you can rent it. Like you can rent it on Amazon or other stream places for like $3. Yeah. But people act like that's like insane to do that. You know, they're just like, oh, well, it's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. So therefore, I guess I'll never see it. Like, yeah. it's like, what the hell's the matter? No, just rent the fucking movie. Just rent it. You it, know, it's. It's like it's kind of like the same mindset of like people who will always listen to top 40 music and never really scratch the surface. Just be completely happy with that. And like, nah, I don't need to look past this. I'm fine. I think it's 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 almost like that. Yeah, maybe. You know? Because it's not but, on Netflix. Well, I'm not watching it. I guess it, I don't but need it, to watch it. You know? But it's kind of like if you took it back to like our day and it'd, it'd be like, well, there's no point. I'm not going to go to the video store and pick out what I want to see. I'll just watch whatever's on cable. It's like, oh, well, there's this movie. Everyone says it's great. You can rent it. Well, I'll just wait. Maybe one day it'll come on TV. You know? Well, it's that's like... a fad. You know, my dad used to say, <laughs> that's a fad. Renting movies. No, that will never last. <laughs> well, maybe he was right. Because now people just, they'll just watch whatever they already have available streaming. Like, like the movies I was mentioning, it wasn't like they were brand new and she would have to buy, pay 25 bucks to see it. I'm like, it's $2. Like, you go on, you can go on Amazon and rent it for $2. You know, <laughs> like, what the yeah. fuck? Anyway, anyway, let's get into our show. Enough of that old man yeah. bitching, you know. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so that brings us to our first segment, which is Book of the Week. <laughs> Bookie book. All right. So this week's book of the week um, is a horror novel. Uh, it's one that I uh, that I have had for a long time, and uh, it's always stuck with me. It's stuck in my mind. So it's not a new release, but it is uh, still an indie release. Um, it won uh, the Bram Stoker Award for Best Horror Novel in 2005. So it's been out for a while. Uh, but this is a book called Dread in the Beast by Charlie Jacob. And uh, she she wrote several uh, horror novels and novellas. Uh, and uh, this was published by Necro Publications. Uh, you know, so it's another one with the, you know, shouts out Dave Barnett. Uh, rest in peace to him and rest in, and, and rest in peace to uh, Charlie Jacob, who is also no longer with us. Uh, this this book is really bizarre. Um, the, the prose in it is fantastic, uh, but the content of the book is absolutely detestable and vile. And it's one of the things I love about it uh, so much is it's very visceral. It's very depraved. Um, and so I'm going to read you like the basically the the uh, synopsis here. Dread in the Beast used to be a novella about the goddess of waste and the king of wasters. Now it is a novel stuffed full of the gruesome and horrible. Taken from the mythologies and histories of humankind, it follows the trail of the mother spirit of the worst that the world is capable of producing. From the catacombs of ancient Rome, where a blasphemous sect twisted the message of early Christians, to modern America with its obsessions with violence, 
deities and saints and the reincarnations of beasts battle over the sublime and profane, where the very reasons for existence for us all may lie in the unthinkable. Yeah, and it's, it is very difficult to try to um, summarize this book. It's one of those books where you can't be like, well, it's about a guy who gets a truck and he drives it. You know, you can't do like a simple uh yeah, which Sign is me up the, for that? Where's that one? That's that's over the top, starring for Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Well, I know, I, I knew that. I, there's a reason why I gravitated right towards that. Right, there was. There's Damn. a good reason. Good reason. Uh, no, it's it's a, it's a very surreal horror novel, and uh, and, and and definitely extreme. Uh, not so much in its violence, but more in its just uh, grotesquery. Uh, so it's a great book. It stuck with me, and it's also um, you know a, a great one to mention because. Um, it's you know uh, Charlie Jacobs kind of an unsung hero in the genre, and uh, it's always good to to check out female horror authors, particularly in the subcategory of extreme horror where there are so few. Uh, so check it out, Dread in the Beast by Charlie Jacob. Awesome, excellent. I will check that out. It's Bram really Stoker, good. really uh, good. Two thousand six, you said two thousand five. Yeah, five. Mm-hmm. Cool. I will definitely check that out. I'm writing it down. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right. All right. Well, speaking of good stuff. Let's get to more of the good stuff, baby. Oh, my goodness. And that brings us to Ridiculous Reads. Oh, my goodness. How ridiculous it is sometimes. I see you. You look like that. Uh, you look like a Pan's Labyrinth man. <laughs> your weird hand eyes. I don't, even know, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing, as usual. I don't. Know. I've uh, I've uh, I've dosed your uh, your uh, soda water there with um a healthy lacing of uh, LSD from here from my screen. A little love from my son and daughter. I've reached across <laughs> time and space in one of these astrophysics type of uh, stories that we like. Yes. And I've dosed, I've dosed you in a, dip, a bunch of different realities, and uh, we finally hit the one where we line up and you're doing it. Okay. Well, so, that worked ridic- out then. <laughs> I guess it does. <laughs> so I'm on Ridiculous Reads this week, uh, and you know we talked uh, earlier about Terminator Dark Fate, um, and so uh, it just kind of dovetails nicely into our book of the week, which is the novelization of the movie yes! Last Action Hero. <laughs> oh my God! Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. That Last is fantastic. Action Hero. Now this uh, is a a little known uh, film that came out. <laughs> uh, you've heard the term meta. It it, uh, it kind yeah. of plays with around with that. It won Best oh, Picture yeah. in 1994, 1997. And for some reason, in 2006, uh, it took a lot of awards home. This was no. a huge, huge, huge blockbuster. Well, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Because the only thing that what there was one more a pop, more popular one, and that was Jingle All the Way with Arnold and yeah. Sinbad. When you put yeah. those two together, that's mm. I mean, sign me up. Put me in the ground. That's all I need. For I'm those done. of you who aren't tripping on acid, Last Action Hero is one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Uh, just, just so everyone knows. 
best picture uh no and biggest, oh and that's, that's biggest funny. box office failures ever yeah and it, and it says the new summer blockbuster from columbia mm-hmm. pictures last action hero a novel by robert tyne based upon the motion picture story by zach ben and adam left screenplay by shane black and david arnott all of those names sound made up mm-hmm so the back, you know, this is going to be good because look at the copy on the back. It's like a two sentence, huge, like yeah, it's a bunch of pictures, <laughs> pictures, pictures. It says now, they, they had, of, I was just gonna say they had every reason to think this would be a blockbuster. They yeah. had a huge, huge, uh, you know, star, good cast. They had a lot of cameos mm-hmm. uh, and they had, they had a, a kick ass soundtrack. Lots of great bands on there. You know, uh, it was, but it was just a turd. It was just a turd. It, and so they spent so much money getting all those things that it became like a fucking like vacuum, dude. It was just like a black hole of, of like money, you know, money like for yeah. the studio. I can, uh, but, yeah. I can only yeah. imagine when, yeah. when those things get out of control, Batman forever. Um, like, uh, so, but the, I'm just going to read the back copy. Schwarzenegger yeah. is Jack Slater, the ultimate hero. Period. Mm, the ultimate. Jack Slater is tough. Jack Slater is invincible. Jack Slater blasts out of the screen. Blast action hero. It's not just a movie. It's the ultimate adventure. Can you read it again? But uh, but instead of Jack, say Christian. Schwarzenegger is Christian Slater, the <laughs> ultimate hero. Christian Slater is tough. Christian Slater is invincible. Christian Slater blasts out of the screen, gleaming the cube. It's not just a movie. It's the ultimate adventure. That's I, I want to see that. You sold me, my friend. You gleaming sold me on that. I love oh, that. Yeah. Oh, I remember gleaming the cube. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah, the skater movie, man. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, skater. Skater right. die. Skater well, mystery um, movie. Skater, see you later, boy. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> as much as everybody calls in and writes in and sends emails and letters and packages for some reason saying how much they love, love, love my Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, the passage I've selected to read does not include his character. So, tonight, the part of his voice will not be played by me. All right. But I've selected a passage. Uh, this, this, this book is a, this movie, this book, I don't even know if we explained this movie. It's about a kid that's going to see his, fa- his favorite action hero in a movie. Uh, he gets sucked into the screen. Hilarity ensues. That's about it. All right. The camera rushed in low over the dark blue of the California Pacific. Straight at the cliffs of the coastline, spread out along the bluffs, was a series of big houses. Each mansion sitting among wide, lush lawns and garden greens. Cordon sanitary separating each estate from the others. You paid a lot for privacy in the high-rent district. The largest house on the cliff was a rambling, gabled mansion that mixed a number of architectural styles. English country house, southern plantation, Greek temple, but with Spanish colonial predominating, making for an end result that was more impressive for its pretension than its splendor. It was also the most expensive house in the area, as well as being the most secluded. This suited suited the owner just fine. 
In fact, it was the isolation of the estate that had attracted Antonio Tony Vivaldi more than the fabulous view. The giant swimming pool, the perfect lawn tennis courts, or any of the other luxurious features in the vast estate. As the leader of the biggest collection of gangsters in Southern California, Tony Vivaldi liked to keep his doings pretty much to himself, away from the prying eyes of strangers and the sophisticated surveillance techniques of half a dozen law enforcement agencies. Tony's business methods were, to put it mildly, a little unorthodox, particularly when discussing business with people who had interests that ran counter to his own. As the movie opened... Tony was engaged in doing just this. So this is like the kid is watching the movie. Uh, the movie okay. is starting. You know, I was, I was thinking, I was like, because I don't remember this at all, but I've only seen that movie once and that was enough. So, yeah, I was hey, trying to, I was trying to like put this in context. Yeah. I got, I'm sorry. Yeah. I should have maybe said that before, but I, but I wanted to bury the lead. I wanted to, you know, but now, mm. you know, it's the kid is watching the movie. Mm. Tony Vivaldi was a tall, heavy, powerful-looking man, his skin the color of olive oil. The clothes he wore were expensive, if not in the best of taste, and on his fat fingers he wore not one, but two pinky rings, each the diamond the size of a walnut. Now that so, seems... So he's an Italian stereotype, is what he is. Well, we haven't got... <laughs> Let me just... Skin of olive oil, and his let name is just, Tony, and he's a gangster. Let me just say that my last name is Kamianali, and yep. continue. <laughs> they glittered in the bright sunlight, and the beams got in his eyes, got in the eyes of the hapless man strung up, hanging from one of the stately trees on Tony's enormous front lawn. Tony strode back and forth in front of the very scared guy. I mean, come on, that's the like, very, the very scared. scared guy is okay. what it says. I mean, that's like, like never use the word very. Uh, like that is like a uh, fiction writer's rule. Don't use very the word very scared. ever, 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 ever. Uh, very anything, you know, like very. you know. Verily, I say unto thee, don't he, say very. Like just don't use. Like it's just the la it's lazy writing to just say very. He was very, very, very funny. Just say he was hilarious. He was very, was, very rich. Say he was wealthy. You know, like, or just stop because you're using very too much. Just go. go even back if you're just using it once, like even if it's not very, 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 even if it's just very, like, just don't use it. it. It jumps out at you immediately. Like it just, I, that's it, why it, I stopped. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a speed bump along the way. Yeah, it jumps out at you immediately. He was very scared. Very scared. <laughs> the very scared guy. By that Stephen like, King. <laughs> it sounds like like your nephew, like, uh, and then this is the very scared guy who, and you're like, oh, that's fine, kid. You're yeah, stupid. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, anyway, no offense. Offense <clears throat> to who, kids? <laughs> I don't know. Tony strode back and forth in front of the very scared guy, shaking his head and clicking his tongue. Frankie, 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 why you keep on with the insults? Although he had never set foot in Italy, Tony spoke with the pronounced Chico <laughs> Marx type accent. Hence, Frankie, 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 why are you keep a doing of the insults? Tony Vivaldi was tough and as street smart as they came, although he had little formal education. He had never gotten beyond kindergarten. At the age of five, he had announced in the middle of an incy wincy spider that Play-Doh is for saps. I want the real dough and dropped out. He dropped out of kindergarten. 
Because he already knew he wanted the real dough. None of this Play-Doh shit. It's the OG. OG. (laughs) The gangster had learned reading on the daily racing form and arithmetic from from the numbers racket and derived much (laughs) of his personal style Uh... from Salazzo the Turk in The Godfather. (laughs) A sensitive man. Oh, my God. still... A sensitive man, he still got all <laughs> choked up during the scene where Salso got plugged in the middle of a plate of veal at Louis' restaurant, the Bronx. In short, Tony Vivaldi was the type of character who got the Italian-American Defamation League all hot and bothered and yelling about Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Galileo, and Lee Iacocca when he appeared on the silver screen. <laughs> he also had a taste for violence, torture, and terror that put him in the front rank of movie psychopaths along with Hannibal Lecter. He's Italian, so yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is who he compares himself to. Along Uh along with psychopaths, along with Hannibal Lecter, the guy got a bad rep. Freddy Krueger. How can I meet that guy? (laughs) And and Pinhead. Nice look! (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. What is this? Nailed to the tree, level with Frankie's face, was a small round target. Tony touched it as if it were a talisman. So tell me, Frankie, how come are you always with the insults? <laughs> Frankie was more scared than he had ever been in his entire life. I would never insult you, Mr. Vivaldi, he said quickly. You gotta believe me. Vivaldi glowered at his trust captive. When are you lie, Frankie? That's not an insulter. I know you know a Jack Slater's a favorite second cousin in the world. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. <laughs> and then we're going to stop right there. Because no! Gonna... <laughs> Look how, okay, all right. Oh. You can stop, but like, I want more of this because it's fucking ridiculous, dude. Like, it puts the ridiculous in ridiculous rates. Well, I mean, he's it's just very meta. Yeah, well, okay, well. Maybe just put a bookmark there. We might have to return to this one because I was really enjoying that. And I just, you always want to leave them wanting more, you know? I learned that. I'm sorry. From, uh, I'm sorry. Like, I learned it from my mom. I learned it from every. Uh, I wanted to see I ever what happened, though. Like, does he kill the guy? Like, oh my God, the suspense. This is a cliffhanger. You gotta read the is. book. So, this is, you know, aside, aside from that, aside from that obvious. Uh, Lazy very that was dropped in there, and I like to think that was an accident. That was a placeholder that got overlooked, probably. But uh, you know, not bad. No, I this think is he, I think about as good as the day, movie. I think he knew that one day, thirty years later, a couple of guys would be reading from it, a and of, like a couple of guys, like, like I'm going to throw this in just to just to give him a, a yuck, you know? Because he saw across planes of reality and time. Yeah. And, Maybe he was he was meta, even in writing a meta. He looked and he already saw this happen. Yeah. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna give these guys a treat." You know, yeah. they're right. They're they're writers, and he's doing air quotes for some reason. Like <laughs> even like back then, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna let them. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a softball to like you know tell all the people like, "Oh, don't say very like they don't know, idiots." Anyway, <laughs> we've given this guy way too much credit. We have. So let's just move on. <laughs> Wow, that was that was good. Like at first, like when you're first going into the whole thing, I was just like, okay, okay. And then when I was like, okay, so this what is happening? You know, I <laughs> guess like I couldn't 
com compartmentalize it with the movie that I remembered. Because it was just like, eh, hey, this gangster, and he's a being a gangster in his gangster house. But then the, then it, it truly brought the funny. So yeah, great read. Kid. Great read. Thank you. I like to uh was, I like to take that slow burn. It was good sometimes. Thank that you. That was a good one. I enjoyed that one very much. <laughs> so tune in next time for Last Action Hero. <laughs> I want the full novel of the movie that the kid's watching in the novel. That's what I want. Oh shit. That's like some shit the lost people would do. You know how they like put like weird novels out that were like from the people on the island and they, you'd find them in the library in the fucking airport and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is happening? They really tried to get weird with it at some point like did that. that. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, I didn't never. I never watched Lost. My ex-wife yeah. did, but we're divorced now. So uh, I never watched it. But yeah, but I, I, I remember. That's how you know she's your ex-wife. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I know. Yeah, I wake up in the morning and look at Katie. I'm like. Did you watch Lost? <laughs> Is your name Bart? <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of Bart, <laughs> are we divorced? No. Okay, so you're the Good. current wife. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're the the other one. Is the the one I divorced? Yes. Yeah. That's how okay. you know. That's how, That's you, how know. you know. That's how I know. Oh God. Speaking right. of how before how we, I know, we get in any more trouble uh, with. <laughs> let's just let's uh. Yeah, maybe we should just have someone else we can talk to. Maybe there's a, a phone we could check, a little... Oh, the answering machine. The answering machine. Oh, oh. The Corey Hotline! Yeah! Oh, yeah. Corey Hotline, everybody. Um, As you know or may not know, the Corey Hotline is the hotline where you could reach Christopher Triana and myself 24 7 724 365 536 or whatever that was uh and leave us a message uh, ask us questions about the show uh and and things we talk about and uh throw you know adulations our way uh we're available for children's birthday parties you can call us at 832-930-1347 that's 832-930-1347 and leave us a message. Chris, we have a couple messages this week. All right, let's do it. All right, all right let's let's get to our first one here. Huh? Oh, hey. All right, we get to the first one. Hey. What were your fears or superstitions as a kid that were completely unfounded? I'm going to go with Jaws in the Pool for Triana, possibly Ghoulies in the Toilet for Don Wayne. Think about it and discuss. This is Tangie again, by the way. Thanks, Tangie. Hello. Hey, girl. Why don't you holla? Oh, I mean, thanks for hollering. Yes, <laughs> she did holla. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she she knows me. She she mentioned Jaws. Uh, sharks are what I'm afraid of. They're, they're... I'm afraid of sharks, dude. I'm terrified of sharks, yeah. We shouldn't yeah. be in the ocean. We've talked about this. Yeah. That's yeah, where they should. live. That's where they live. We shouldn't be there. That's why, why we can't. Why are we out there? It's it's madness, is what it is. It's insanity. Yeah. You have it coming. Yeah, if you do that. You know, we don't belong in in the ocean. We don't belong. You know, like don't give them any ideas. Then they'll start walking on land. It'll be a whole mess. We don't need that. And I know your answer to everything, uh, Tangi, is usually under the sea. But in this situation, <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't. You don't know how right you are about that. <laughs> she uh, she thinks she's a mermaid. Um, 
But, Merman, Pa. Merman. <laughs> she, she really does. Uh, um, so, so I'm sorry. So what? So, so would she's just like Jaws in the pool? Is that something like that? As a kid, you as would a have kid, been like, uh, uh, no, never in the pool. No, because I wasn't a stupid kid. Um, but uh, I won't. I wouldn't go in the ocean. And I still won't go in the ocean, and not just because of the shark thing, but jellyfish and crabs and 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 squid and medical waste and people pissing and shitting and like it's just it's the it's the world's toilet the ocean i don't understand why anyone would go in it it's it's foul it's disgusting and it's full of jellyfish and things that'll and stingrays shit that will kill you you know shit that yeah. will kill you so uh, yeah so i don't go in there oh, so i don't i don't consider that a childish fear because no that's just a sensible fear uh, when it comes to stuff that I was afraid of as a kid or superstitions, um, I mean, anything I was afraid of as a kid, I grew out of. I can't really, you know, think of them, but I'm sure, like, as a little kid, I had, like, I don't know, I was scared of the dark or something. I, I don't even know. I don't even remember. Uh, but when it comes to superstitions, I've never had superstitions because I think, because I've always known that they're nonsense. Um, so, the whole, oh, don't step on a crack, or oh, don't say it, or it might come true, or you know, just shut the fuck up. No, the, the universe is random. It doesn't play by, you think all the universe is going to change because you, you know, uh, like, walked under a ladder? Like, fuck you. Like, you're being ridiculous. So, yeah. How about you? That brings us to our next topic, ridiculous re... No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I as far, okay, so to to piggyback on the superstitions i i also have never really had a, a whole lot of superstitions um or or any i mean uh, that was all beaten out of me uh, for, as a kid anyway like with you know growing up as a jesus boy from you know we couldn't believe in anything so there were no superstitions except for all of that i guess which is the whole other thing in its own yeah. but no i was never like if i walk under this i i think this is going to happen or uh if i don't like fold this paper and put it up my ass then my mom's gonna fucking have a heart attack right, right. you know the usual things um but as far as like unfounded fears I, I didn't have a fear of things coming up out of the toilet i mean we did talk about my fear of the hamburger helper uh you know glove <laughs> for a while uh which was you know which was you know, I, I don't know if we want to say unfounded i mean maybe un maybe out there still pending hey, he know. never explained what was in that hamburger helper you know? He just said he helped. It could it could have been little boys that was in there. You could you know he could have been like the inspiration for Pennywise or something. You know we don't know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the other thing as a kid that I was afraid of uh, was Freddy Krueger. When I saw like Nightmare on Elm Street when I was in second grade, and I should not have watched it then, or maybe I should have. And it just like just I mean we talked about it in another episode, but yeah, I was mm -hmm. totally afraid of just like not only him but anybody like accessing me through my dreams mm -hmm. was such a terrifying concept that that in itself was uh enough to break me down but you yeah. know what i'm better for the experience i think yeah mm -hmm. made you stronger yeah thanks for calling tangy love you all right well we have one more call right. chris would you like to listen to it absolutely okay Hi, Chris and Jermaine. Um, I don't have a question. I'm drunk. Um, hi, I love you guys. And hi. 
Bye. Bye. I love, love you. you. Love you. That was Christy Whiskey. Okay. Giving us the old. Lo- hey, you gotta. Sometimes you need that kind of affirmation. You know, like we do. We do. You need that love, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Christy. You know, I'm. Uh, I, I. I'm. Uh... I'm almost disappointed, though, that you even identified her. I would It's just like, okay, we love you too, random Trump girl, you know? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I thought... she didn't yeah. say who she was or anything. Oh, I mean, I just know. I know, I know my I know you know, but it's, but it's, I'm just saying it's funny to be like, that we would love be you funny too, random we... drunk girl. <laughs> then we're just inviting all kinds of random drunk girl messages. Yep. Yes, we so are. Just anytime they want to call. Are. In. We are. And that, and that number is 832-930-1347. Drunk girls, 832-930-1347. Yeah, like what do you the mean? The drunk like, girl hotline. <laughs> I mean, Corey hotline. I'm I'm happy to make it the drunk girl hotline. That's fine with me. Well, either way, uh, please call us and ask us questions and uh, tell us you love us. Thank and you. by the way, we want the drunk girl that's like, we love you. We don't want the, you think you're better than me, drunk girl. We don't want her. Okay? No, no, we don't need that. We get enough of that at home. I mean, we get enough of that uh, <laughs> from our families. Anyway, from ourselves. Yes, yes. All right. Is it time to get into our topic now? I think so. I think so. So that brings us to this week's topic, which is... One, two, three, four! Band books. Band, band books. books. And not part books of our... bands. No. Definitely not. I hate those. I, um, know, I don't know why you hate those so much. I really enjoy those. Let's not get... No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. No, I, I mean I mean fiction books that are about a band. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I like the historical... I can get behind that. Yeah, I can get behind that for sure. Um, I don't read them as much as you do. You're really into them. But no, I've read I've read a couple of different, you know, like biographies of like, you know, Johnny Cash, Scott Walker, you know, things like that. But but I, I don't like fiction stories like that are about a band. I get bored so quickly. Do you um, know, can I give you a quick example of where I had to bail out on one? I was like, this is the worst example of a, a story about a band. Robert McCann, McCammon, McCannon's uh, The Five. Mm. Have you read that book? No, it's about a band. It like follows this band through like the most un like no way would this happen with the band like type of thing. If you're a, if you've ever been in a band or traveled with a band, like you read this book, I was like, you're fucking kidding me, you fucking asshole. Who do you think you are? Like I'm reading it like, oh come on, and I just like refused to finish it because I was so angry with the book. Right. But, uh, anyway, that's a band book about bands. Okay. Well, the banned books we're talking about is like books that were censored or that brought up controversy, uh, those kind of bands. Uh, yeah. So um, this is in, in keeping in line with our whole band uh, series that we've been doing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, starting with band music and moving on to band films. Uh, and we'll we'll be I think this is be, this will be the, the, the exclamation point at the end of, of all of that. Uh, we're going right. to do the banned books. Now, I want to preface this by saying there are many, many, many banned books and many, many, you know, uh, crazy stories about um, them being censored. But we can't go into all of them. Uh, and we also didn't want to just, if we did, we didn't want to just be like, this one got banned. Anyway, on to the next one. We wanted to kind of go in depth on certain ones and certain cases uh, books that were important to us individually as as people and as writers, 
Uh, and so we're focusing on just a, a couple of them uh, here. But we will throw in little, hey, this was banned too. That was banned too. What do you know, motherfucker? Honk, honk. But I think we should, uh, like, just an overview of why books are banned. Uh, there's, well, there's a lot of reasons. There are several reasons, but, like, the main ones seem to be uh, religion, politics, and morality uh, that play into why these books are, are banned. And I, I, for me, it's, it's, like, it's kind of like the music thing. We're in the United States, so nothing is really banned. They're just banned from schools or libraries and things like that. But well, that wasn't always the case. Uh, not always the case, but no, I mean, like um, as far as today's stand, like today goes, like and even back in the '80s with the music and stuff that we were talking about, it wasn't truly like it was just like the people with the big swinging dicks of money were like, well, we're not carrying your record, so therefore, right, you're fucking right. banned. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But uh, but we did like, but much like with uh, the music, like with True Life Crew, like people were getting arrested for selling yeah. it and stuff like that. Same thing happened with with a lot of books. Uh, yeah, people yeah, were arrested. It wasn't just schools. It was also just. Uh, uh, anywhere, just publishers trying to publish certain things would get shut down and arrested. Um, and uh, you're right in, in the things that you're you're saying, like you know, it gets banned for reasons of you know religion and things like that. So yeah, there's blasphemy, but there's also just you know obscenity, language, sexuality, drug use, you know, like yeah. all sorts yeah. of things that, that these. That's like the morality umbrella, like I guess I was oh. saying, like all that shit like comes under that. Yeah, but there's also like pro-drug or anti-government, you know, anti-authoritarian, uh, anti-authority. Um, you know, it's like so. There's many, many different uh, reasons that that books get banned. You know, uh, some of it's not just because it's uh, considered obscene, but because it might cause dissent among the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, we like the the list of banned books goes on for infinity. Uh, you know, much longer than movies or music because, you know, there, there have been books much longer than there have been records and films, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you had people literally getting put on the rack and tortured for things that they wrote or tried to distribute. Um, you know, <clears throat> yeah. so that's that's where the difference lies. Um, but as far as uh, American uh, book bannings, it's a little more modern in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, our country is young in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but anyway, like we, like I said, we put, we picked out some particular uh, books that we wanted to go over. Yes, we did. Yes, um, but sure like, did. I, I don't know. I just want to like, make sure we have like an overview, like people understand how this all started i guess before we just get into like just like the certain things like 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 uh just so that we know i don't know just so we have a good overview Uh like the history of this you know this started back in i mean it started for forever ago but like maybe like when it really started to come out we've got like uncle tom's cabin that's like one of the first big ones that's Mm -hmm. banned very much controversy around Well, we're talking about we're talking about american bands yeah yeah. yeah, we're talking about America. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the United States is what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's another thing. I don't know if we qualified that again. We're we're only really covering the United States. Well, but, no, I I I'm I'm going to no? mention oh, you are okay, okay. too. But but okay. as far as like historical the historical purposes, um, like I like I said before, like you know people were being tortured and killed for stuff that that they wrote and published, you know, centuries and centuries ago. But we're we're talking about more modern 
uh, history and our country is young in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, Uncle Tan's Cabin was a big one. It's uh, something I'm going was going to talk a little bit about later. Yeah. Okay. But go ahead. Uh, go ahead. But uh, no. And, and, okay. Well, then just I'll say this one thing, and then we can move on. What what mainly sparks a lot of this, and this even with everything we've talked about in the band series, is reactions to things uh, out of context. Mm-hmm. People reacting to passages. Uh, sentences, words, things like with no context and therefore basing their ban or putting their weight behind getting rid of it on Mm -hmm. that uh, without really getting the bigger picture. So that's how a lot of this stuff kind of happens or happened. That's that's definitely that's definitely true. But the other problem is that sometimes the work was addressing something uh, that was a problem and people weren't taking it out of context. They weren't taking just a little piece of it. They read the whole thing and were pissed that the problem was being pointed out. Uh, a good example is, you know, like the book might've been like pointing out racism. And then the people who were racist were like, how dare you point out racism, ban that book. You know? So there's those issues as well. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah, that as well. It's not, this isn't the, the only reason, but it's, I know. it's just, just a lot of this stuff gets taken so without context absolutely and that's something that we face even today with art mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um that's just a per you know pervasive theme uh whatever i mean it's a theme anyway go ahead <laughs> uh do you want me to do a book first or yeah let's uh let's go let's go tit for tat or tit for titty well, I like to say. well if, you know if you're talking about titties that luscious that, hooters that, that will lead perfectly into my first book please go ahead <laughs> my first book is Great Titties and the Men Who Love Them by Christopher Triana. No, I'm just Damn, kidding. Damn, that, that's out already? <laughs> Shit. You know I pre-ordered that, man. The hardcover. Well, you didn't have to pre-order it. You wrote the, the forward, the afterward, and then, like, you the and your quote, you're quoted, like, <laughs> throughout, and, throughout the, the book. 30% of the book is quotes from you. <laughs> There's a lot of footnotes foot by yeah, me. Pictures of us together at Hooters. And, like, yeah. Like... We should go to a Hooters when America opens up again. Just for the hooter of it. I mean, sake of it. For research, for the book. Yeah, for the book. <laughs> the hooter book. Oh, God. This is derailed Sorry, already. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no problem. No, no. Um, no, this is, uh, this book is actually one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, I, I was, in an interview once, I actually said that I think if I if I only had a choice of one book that I could take with me to a desert island, it would probably be this one because I think it has the most re-readability to it. Uh, and it's just the, the probably, it's the most beautifully written book, um, in my opinion. Uh, and that is Lolita by the Russian-American novelist Vladimir Nabokov. Uh, I absolutely love this book. And this is a good example of what John Wayne was saying about out of context, people take things out of context. Some people who have never read the book at all be like, oh, that book's perverted. It's the guy with the you know the young girl. And oh well, yeah, it is, but it's much, much more than that. Um, so I think a lot of people don't even understand why the book is as controversial as it is. Now, this book came out uh, in 1955. So this is almost 70 years old. 70 years old. And it's still enormously controversial. Um, 
Uh, basically, it's uh, uh, that's the subject of the book is controversial, uh, and the protagonist, uh, who is also can be considered an unreliable narrator, uh, is a middle-aged literature professor uh, named Humbert Humbert, or at least that's the pseudonym that the character uses, uh, and he's obsessed with a twelve-year-old ghoul, a twelve-year-old girl, a twelve-year-old ghoul. That kind a of twelve-year-old ghoulie who comes out of the toilet. Out of the toilet. Oh yeah. shit! This is even. I'm listening. Yeah, like now, I now I got his attention. See, Tangio, you were right. He is upset. Yeah, Tangio was right. He's always right. It's about a liter- literature professor, Humbert Humbert, who is obsessed with a 12 year old girl, Dolores Hayes, uh, with whom he becomes sexually involved after he becomes her stepfather. So this was like Pornhub before Pornhub. Holy <laughs> shit! I am horny as fuck now. Oh, you said step. Step porn? Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, God. That is, that is, uh, wow. We did Well, it. yeah, uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nabokov was already an established writer at the time of its publication. Uh, because of its uh, subject matter, Nabokov intended to publish it pseudonymously. Uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, that means he wasn't going to put it under his own name. Uh, the manuscript was turned down by Viking... Simon and Schulster, New Directions, Farah, Strauss, and Doubleday. After these refusals and warnings from these presses, being like, "Holy shit, this book is about a pedophile," uh, uh, Nabokov uh, finally resorted to publication in France uh, via his translator uh, uh, by the name of uh, Dusia Ergaz. Uh, it reached uh, Morris. Gerodias of Olympia Press. Uh, now, Olympia Press, three quarter, three quarters of their stuff was pornographic trash. Like it really was. It was just like hardcore erotica. Uh, but under informed about about this this publishing house, Olympia, uh, overlooking hints of the publisher's approval of the conduct of the protagonist, uh, which they presumed was based on the author. And despite warnings from uh, friends in the literary field, uh, Nabokov signed a contract with Olympia Press for publication of the book to come out under his own name. So he did this uh, despite all of this. Now, Lolita was published in September of 55 uh, as a pair of green paperbacks, quote unquote, swarming with typographical errors. Uh, mm-hmm. Although the first printing of 5,000 copies sold out, there were no substantial reviews. Eventually, the London, the London Sunday Times called it one of the three best books of 1955. Uh, now, this statement provoked a response from the opposing uh, London Sunday Express, whose editor, John Gordon, called it the filthiest book I have ever read and sheer unrestrained pornography. Uh, so that kind of started this whole kind of panic about a book that was otherwise unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I need to stop right here and just say for those who haven't read the book there is there are no hardcore sex scenes in this book it's all suggested it's all hinted at it's uh, not there, tampa no no it's not tampa tampa is definitely like explicitly sexual this is all suggestive but it, it comes off more filthy because of uh the ages of the characters but there's a whole scene where um in the early on in the book where uh, uh, Dolores, which is, you know, her nickname is Lolita, uh, you know, she is like, she's just innocently sitting on the couch with her legs in Humbert's lap. And that is probably the most sexually charged scene in the book, 
just because of how uh, erotic it is to him, even though it's mm-hmm. totally, even though Lolita is totally oblivious to how erotic it is to him. Um, so anyway, um, British custom officers were then instructed by the Home Office to seize all copies entering the United Kingdom. In December of 56, France followed suit, and the Minister of the Interior banned Lolita. The ban lasted two years. Its eventual British publication by Wendenfield and Nicholson in London in 59 was controversial enough to contribute to the end of the political career of Conservative Member of Parliament Nigel Nicholson, one of the company's partners. Uh, despite these, this, uh, you know, this initial trepidation, uh, there was no official response in the U.S. And the first American edition was issued by G.P. Putnam's Sons in August uh, '58. The book was into its third printing within days and became the first since Gone with the Wind to sell 100,000 copies in its first three weeks. So mm-hmm. that, that's the history uh, of the book coming out. Um, so yeah, or, so there was an uproar uh, even then. Uh, but the novel to this day continues to generate controversy, uh, particularly in our modern society, which is yeah. which has become increasingly more aware of the lasting damage created by child sexual abuse. Uh, and under, and I understand that. I understand that. But the argument that comes into play with this book is: is it condoning that? And I would say absolutely not. And the author would say absolutely not. But because uh, here's the issue with it. Um, the, 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 the book is written from Humbert's point of view. So the perspective you're getting is from the pedophile, you know, and that's one of the things that makes the book so evocative and so tense when you read it. Uh, but it also, in the way that it's written, it, it, it manages to make you sympathetic to his feelings and his concerns. And that, and like, you have these moments where you're like, no, I'm not supposed to, you know, I'm like, I'm yeah. not supposed to, but it's just that well-written. Uh, so the issue is that not, not only is Lolita's voice silenced uh, from her point of view, uh, but the way she sees the situation, like the way she sees the situation feels about it. It's never, you never really know. You only, get his perspective of what's happening. So you never really know. And so it leaves this gray area of like, is she actually into this or is she not? But either way, it's not okay. You know, she's 12 at the start of the book, you know? Um, But uh, anyway, so anyway, what she's feeling can only really be surmised by the reader uh, since it's Humbert who tells the story. And throughout most of the novel, uh, the reader is absorbed in his feelings. So in in that regard, uh, because you're only seeing things from Humbert's point of view, you never really, like Lolita's voice in the whole thing is silence. You never really mm-hmm. get her perspective on what, uh, how she feels about the uh, relationship that they have. Uh, but of course, it's statutory rape anyway, because of her age. Um, now, near the end of the novel, Humbert accuses himself of rape. He accuses himself of it, okay? Mm. Uh, however, many people will argue that it's not that that it's not what the, their sexual congress isn't rape uh, in an ordinary sense on the grounds that it's she who suggests that they try out the quote-unquote naughty trick, which she had already learned in summer camp. But that perspective is vigorously disputed, uh, including by me. Uh, you know, I love this book, but I love it because of its ability to trick the reader into rooting for the bad guy 
and yeah. also in its absolutely beautiful prose, like as sick and demented as Humber is, his love for this girl is crazy. And like the, the poetry involved in how he expresses how he feels is beyond compare. Uh, now I'm going to go ahead and ask, have you read Lolita? No, I have not read that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you need to read but, that. Sure. But I, but I know exactly what you're talking about with when you refer to writing that is so such, such a well-crafted work where you do find yourself sympathizing with the absolute worst mm-hmm. person in the, in the book. Um, right. And that's but but this also go, kind of goes back to like we 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 talk about this a lot, especially when we talk about extreme horror and people's reaction to it. It's the writing, like the quality of the writing, is what's going to pull you, drag like pull you through that to where you. you that's not even a fo- focus necessarily. That you're not disgusted. You're just enraptured by this. Right. You know, you're you're you're. Uh, you become part of it. Like, like you said, like you find yourself sympathizing with this guy. Like I mentioned Tampa earlier, you know, Alyssa Nutting, uh, you find yourself sympathizing with that character as disgusting as those scenes are. Fuck man. I mean, you're just like, God, but her, but her husband's an asshole. You know I mean? You, you, <laughs> you know, you can't help it. You can't help it. You just fall into that. And it, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's the way that it's written, I think. So you have to give a lot of credit to the, no, to no, the writer absolutely. and, and their, you know, the mass, their mastership of the craft. I think. Right. Well, I think that's, that's to the 10th power with, uh, with this particular book. Um, and again, this does not have graphic sexual scenes uh, as Tampa definitely does. Mm. Um, but the, uh, the, the thing that's important um, is like you, when you have a bad character or villain or anything, you you have to still make them people. You know, you can't just like have a cardboard cutout bad guy. Otherwise, they they don't. There's no like reality to it. There's no oomph to it. Um, and a lot of people make this mistake: is like you know, like if you're going to write a book and have like one of your main characters be a skinhead or something, like he still has to be a person. You know, like he can't, you can't just be like, here's Mr. White Power, I'm going to kill everybody. He has to still be a person. And, you know, his motivations, as awful as they are, you have to see where they're coming from in him. Otherwise, it doesn't, it it doesn't invest you. Otherwise, he's just like a a cardboard cutout, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately, women get written that way a lot of times. Uh, But. Well. Well, yeah, but that's a different kind of like a different kind of thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking, yeah. I anyway. think some people like they just they don't want to give a human feel to a character that's so bad. You know, it's like, well, this character right. is a rapist or he's a murderer, and so like they refrain from like giving him much background or much anything. You know? Yeah. Um. So but that's uh, but but that's what gives it so much. Like you said, that's what makes it right. You know, this gives is it particularly. Teeth. But this is particularly a complaint you see a lot with reviewers and and readers, like when that character is like the main character or one of the main characters, as is the case with Lolita and, and Tampa and stuff where people are like, it's appalling. I hated the main character. It's like, well, you're not supposed to like the main character. You're not supposed to like them. That's not the point. You know, it's like they, they, they think that like you're con- that the writer's condoning what happens in the book by creating this character. And it's ridiculous, you know? Um, anyway, uh, there continues to be problems with the book, uh, and there were problems, uh, uh, not problems, I should say, but, um, 
complaints, you know, uh, with the book uh, to this day, even though the book does not have, as I said, like explicit sexual uh, scenes, uh, it's all, you know what's happening. Um, mm. There are two films that were made from it, uh, one by Adrian Lin in uh, 1997, and then the first one by Stanley Kubrick in 1962. Uh, the Adrian Lin one is far superior uh, Lin's film is more overt with uh, all of the novel's darker elements uh, compared to Kubrick's version, uh, which used suggestion and innuendo more for comic purposes and really expanded the Claire Quilty character uh, played by Peter Sellers. Um, Stanley Kubrick actually regretted making that movie because he just was like, I couldn't tell the story in 1962 cinema. I could not tell the story the way it should have been told. You know, because of the censors and because of like, you know, obscenity laws and all that stuff. As much as he loved the book, uh, he was like, I just couldn't do it the way that it should have been done. Uh, and Adrian Lynn, Adrian Lynn was able to do it um, three decades later. Uh, and, it's, and it's a very good movie. It's very good. Very well done. Jeremy Irons plays Humbert. It's very good. Um, Jeremy's. Jeremy's Iron. Iron. <laughs> yes. uh, but yeah, check this out. In, in, in the year 2008, an entire book was published on the best ways to teach the novel in a college classroom. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, that's a racket. Who who cashed right? in on that one? Give me. Well, a that's break. the thing. It's like that's the thing, man. It's like this is this has gone on to be considered one of the great novels, one of like the, the one of the the true great you know Russian novels. I mean, you know, he was a Russian American, but you know, it's 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 a masterpiece. It's it's a it's a literary masterpiece, uh, and so it is taught in college campuses and stuff, uh, particularly you know in uh, you know um, communications classes and things like that. Uh, but yeah, like the, the but people are so sensitive about the topic uh, that there 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 have been like guidebooks written on how to. Uh, how to properly, uh, you know, teach the book. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is a sensitive topic. We can't, I guess, say it's not. Well, it's like, but people, but people, like in the book, they they it urges teachers to note that Dolores's Lolita's uh, suffering is noted in the book, even if the main focus is on Humber. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're. There's no like there's no uh like responsibility on the reader to kind of put that together it's like okay it's like being being beaten into so, your head it's like okay yeah. so you know now that although this book contains this know that you know like this girl is suffering even though like the main character doesn't say it because he is the one causing the suffering idiot of course he so, doesn't say it he's the narrator he doesn't say she's suffering because he's the one doing it to her so it's like they're they're saying like we can teach this book as long as we can hold your hand through it. That's exactly right. Type of and thing. that's and that is and I'm going to talk more about this later. But that is the kind of censorship we're dealing with in this country now, where people want to hold your hand. You know, they they don't want anyone to be upset, and we're losing like a lot of these great works to this kind of uh, new form of censorship, whereas before it was the people coming down like, that's sacrilegious, that's too sexy, that's too this. Now it's the people going after it from the other side, saying it's not sensitive enough, that it might upset somebody, that it's exploitive. You know, And so we've got these two different sides. We've got the conservatives at the one end who really was really after all of us uh, with censorship before, and now it's coming more from 
you know, the, the woke mob. So uh, that's where Lolita comes into with more of its trouble now. Uh, whereas previously it was, you know, all the conservatives being like, oh, it's, it's filth, it's porn, it's blah, blah, blah. You don't hear mm. it from them anymore. Uh, because yeah. there's stuff out there that really is super pornographic, like Tampa or other books, uh, and this book isn't. Um, so now you hear it instead from the hyper liberals who come after you, and, and everything is a Me Too thing, you know. So cool. Um, <laughs> You're like, we've just been canceled. Is that uh, no, no? Is that uh, are you? Is that Lolita then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's Lolita. Your your turn. Um, very, uh, uh, that was very good. Like that, that was great. Um, my I really first want, one, I, I really want you to read that book by the way. All right. I will. Uh, so my first book that I want to talk about that was banned is a light in the attic by Shel Silverstein. Yeah. Shel Silverstein holds like a, a super huge special place in my heart. I have a light in the attic and where the sidewalk ends memorized front to back back to front upside down up your ass it's like watching the big lebowski with me it's not you know it's not gonna work it's out un- for you it's unbearable you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna just do, i'm gonna act out the movie for you i'm not even it's not even like i'm waiting for a punchline to like quote it i'm just doing the whole thing yeah. uh i i became su- just super enamored with those books um as a kid and my mom used to take us to the Balden Botcher Library, which is also ha- the Balden Botcher Arboretum that it was attached to. You could walk through and look at fucking plants and shit, but our library. And I not only checked these books out, but I discovered one day that they had cassette tapes that you could check out from our library. And they had the tapes of A Light in the Attic and Where the Sidewalk Ends. Was it and him reading them? or Yes. Oh, cool. Read by Shel Silverstein. And that even like forget about it. Once I got those, dude, I was listening to them back to forth. Like you couldn't even you you couldn't stop me. It was like the I I just loved these poems. I loved the imagery. I loved the. I didn't realize the dark quality that these books had at the time. Apparently, that a lot of people now see, and I, I I had like a, you know, like. Uh, a personal experience with like recently but these books were like i I couldn't even imagine i was like why are these banned but a light in the attic if you're not familiar with that shell silverstein is is a poet and a writer he was a staff writer for playboy when he wrote these books uh it was banned for promoting violence disrespect disobedience Mm. the glorification of suicide and really? Satan, yes, wow. specifically in a poem called uh, uh, "Little Abigail and Her Beautiful Pony," because Named she ta- Satan, <laughs> Satan, because <laughs> the poem the poem is uh, about her saying that it's her birthday, she wants a pony, and if she doesn't get a pony, she's gonna die. Mm. And so they go through this back and forth of parents being like, "Well, what if we can't get to this?" And she's like, "If I don't get the pony, I'll die." Like that's always the end of it. So at the end, she. She goes to her birthday party and uh, there's no pony, so she laid down and died. And that's what? the end of the fucking poem. <laughs> she said she would, so she did, and that's it. Like, and they are like, and well, that's well, just you, 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 didn't mention, you didn't mention the illustration where she's like cutting like her from from her wrist to her elbow, dude, cutting her el- yeah. her arm open. Like, <laughs> it's not like that. 
<laughs> she is like I think she is laying there holding like a flower on her chest or something like but no like that they said that was glorifying suicide in particular um and it's just silly it's about a bratty kid who's like I want what I want or I'm going to scream my head off and die and then like but at the end it's like all right cool so just die like yeah, it's fine. almost it's almost like a tales from the crypt like you know turn of fate it's like well you said you were going to die now guess what you actually do yeah, and yeah. you do like, and yeah, she did. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like it, she, uh, she fucked herself in that one, where she's like, "Well, so and and it's not it, to me." I never read that as a kid and said like, "Oh man, she killed herself. This is suicide." I wouldn't. I never made that connection in my mind. Right. It was just silly. It was, to me. I was like, "Oh, that's a silly thing." She said she was going to die, and she did. Kids ah. don't. Kids don't have a real concept of suicide. Anyway, I, at least you know? not then. Yeah, not back. No, like, like when you're reading you books, like, like yeah, you don't have really a concept of people killing themselves. So it's only adults who would would get that from that, and only these hypersensitive adults who wanted to make a stink out of just about anything. Exactly. I'm sorry. Um, no, no. So that's what this was based in. Like that, the it was so like unfounded. I find like. Also, there's a poem called Ladies First that I love. Like, Ladies First cried Mrs. McGurk, and that, like, ended up glorifying Satan. And, you know, just they they made these these the most craziest connections to things in these poems where it's not even implied. Like, we were talking about Lolita going through, like, well, these things are implied. Maybe, you know, it's in your mind. These aren't even implied. These are forced upon these things of like well that's fucking satan and that that's suicide and that's uh, pornography there's because there's one like about there's one poem like you've been stung by a bee and the the image is like it's a very short poem but the 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 picture the illustration is a guy with his pants down and you see his ass and he's looking over his shoulder and the bee is like flying away and it it's stung like Hello, you've been stung by a bee across his ass. <laughs> like that was pornography. Wow. Um, it, it and and here's the thing. And so here's the thing. Like all of this, I mean, this was uh, kind of something when they first came out, but a lot of these were like in the in the aughts, like 2006, 2003. A lot of these bands tried to go through through schools, like like religious organizations were looking at this. I uh shouts out to my wonderful lovely niece caroline uh my sister's daughter carrie shouts out carrie uh when she was here visiting over my birthday in january i uh took out i, I took down like uh both of these books a light in the attic and where the sign and and lolita and lolita oh jesus i'm sorry I just... and <laughs> and tampa uh, we started with tampa uh, I skipped right to the scene. <laughs> now, right to the me. I got right to the the meat of the matter. No, 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 no. Uh, but no, you didn't. No, I didn't. But my here's my adorable, lovely, wonderful niece who loves Uncle Wayne, who I sing songs to. My my darling, dear Caroline, and we sit on the couch and I I I start reading poems from these books, and she says, Uncle Wayne, that's scary. And I was like, what? what do you mean that's scary? She's like, that's scary. And I went, looked at it, and I was like, oh, maybe that is kind of scary. Like, I guess I never thought about it like that. And now I'm skipping through poems because I'm like, uh, 
this one uh okay this one the kid like uh uh peanut butter sandwich that's the i mean but he died i can't i can't read that i can't you know i'm like going through like all the things that i think might scare her and it was never that was as much as as much of the the giant pussy shit that i was scared of as a kid these kind of thoughts never entered my mind right but they get in impressed upon us by these out like you said it's adults who read into this type right. of thing or 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 but, it's 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 who this is not written for those people and they're going to read some weird thing into it to put on you you know yeah well it's funny though that like you had a different reaction to it as a kid than you did as an adult reading it to a kid well once know? she told me she was scared i was like right oh maybe and then I don't want to scare my my niece. You know, exactly, I don't want to, exactly. You know, so I'm like, uh, maybe not this one. Uh, oh shit. Uh, you know. So I didn't think about it like that. But at the well, same no, time, it, I'm like, hey, toughen up, kid. Toughen up, kid. Yeah. <laughs> this is the real fucking life, world. Life right? is scary. Yeah. Life is scary. These poems to, are the least of your fucking worries, Caroline. Suck it up. Cut cigarettes for Christmas and say, "Smoke yeah, up, Caroline." Smoke, smoke up, Caroline. It's a banner year. We're gonna <laughs> fuck. We're reading Shel Silverstein and smoking Marvel Reds all day. Uh, that and is that smash, is smash cut to us really doing that. <laughs> that is no, that is that is funny. Yeah, like. Uh... But, yeah, I, I just you never thought about it like that, but I I I don't know, but. To me, this is like what it's so it's just so so ridiculous that these things were banned. Yeah. Uh, these poems for kids that are like joyful and inspire so much happiness. You know, you, you, the royal you, you fuckers out there had to come and put some like, you know, dark ass wipe across it to make right. us question, question like, oh, fuck. So um, I say fuck them. I love Shel Silverstein. I love yeah. Shel Silverstein. Uh, he's one of the greats. So uh, that was that was mine. As far as I, very cool, very yeah. cool. No, that's that's a good one. That's interesting too. That uh, that uh, there were all these issues with it. Um, of course, now you can find it pretty uh, pretty easily and everything. Oh, but... Yeah, you can find it everywhere. Yeah. But just the schools like took it away in Florida, particularly. Well. Good old Florida. Florida. Yeah. Florida took it away for a while, and uh, yeah, there were some regions where it got pulled. But it, it's uh... well, well. Here's the thing: when Florida hears that someone's enjoying something, they destroy it. That's pretty much what they do. So, uh... America's droopy <laughs> way, droopy yeah. dick. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to get to my next one then. Um, All right. And uh, this is a book by an author who I've mentioned several times on the show, and I'm going to continue to mention him because he's one of those authors who, I mean, he, he isn't unknown. He's definitely gotten his praise, but not enough, in my opinion. Uh, not enough people have read his books. Uh, this is, of course, Hubert Selby Jr. and his masterpiece, Last Exit to Brooklyn. Uh, Last Exit to Brooklyn is a 1964 novel. Uh, it takes place... Uh, uh, it takes place, of course, in, in Brooklyn, and it has a, a harsh and uncompromising look at lower at the lower class people in New York City in the 1950s. Uh, it's written in a um, in an everyman kind of style to the prose, like you know, like he he didn't you know, kind of like McCarthy. He doesn't use quotation marks. He just works the the um, uh, uh, the dialogue right into the text. He uses different weird punctuation in his stuff where it's like you always you can tell what he's trying to say but 
you know, like he won't, uh, he'll take two words and like put it together, you know, and, you know, it's, it's he, he does it in this very like working man kind of dialect. Um, I don't know how it's, else to say it, it. It's hard to explain out loud, but it's like once you read it and your mind gets, you're like, oh shit, okay, I see. But, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, but well, I think you explained well, it pretty well. Well, thanks, thanks. He, he, he deliberately wrote it in a style of like, as it like as you're reading it, it comes off more as like you're sitting in a bar and someone's telling you the story. You know, it's like that where it's it doesn't feel like it's coming from some writer. It feels like it's like, yeah, so anyway, you know, I was down at the street there and what's her name was there with the big tits and she had the cigarettes oh. and we fucking wrecked shit. Oh you know? yeah. You know, it's not but, like uh, what do they call it? Omniscient narrator? It's not like that. No. The, yeah. No, no, no. Um but it, like it's so yeah, it, it's not literally being like it's not literally being told from one character to another through the book it just has that kind of feel uh so anyway what uh, last stages of brooklyn is broken up into like several different stories almost like novellas that kind of interlink in a way um and one of them uh was published uh outside of the before the novel came out like one of the shorts uh which is called tralala uh, that was published in 1961 uh, in the literary journal Provincetown Review. Uh, and the unstructured style and coarse descriptions uh, supported his portrayal of the seedy life. Uh, and the book is, I mean, the story is riddled with violence and theft and con artistry. And most prominently and most controversially in the story, as well as in the novel that it appeared in later, uh, is, is, the, is a gang rape. Um, so many, many critics attacked, uh, the subject and harshness of this story. Uh, and the, the journal editor was arrested for selling pornographic literature to a minor. So oh. the Provincetown review, because it had this story in it, the, you know, the fucking editor was arrested. Uh, the journal was used as evidence in an obscenity trial, but the case, the case was later dismissed on appeal. So, yeah, they actually brought, for a short story, brought in for an obscenity trial. Um, now, it's been many, many decades since this story came out and since it's the been... novel came out. It's been a long time. Um, and to this to this day, the Tra-La-La story, which appears in Last Exit to Brooklyn, is one of the most intense, brutal things I've ever read. Uh, and I've gone on record before saying that I believe Last Exit to Brooklyn, even though it's not a horror novel, is the first extreme horror novel. Um, it's not horror in in the in a sense of uh, like it being like a conventional horror, like a Stephen King, Clive Barker type of thing. It's not. It's uh, it's just about the horror of everyday existence when you live in poverty, when you are the um, when you are deracinated from society, when you're the drug addict or you're the closeted homosexual or you're, you know, all these other people that uh, are living in this in this uh, this world in 1950s Brooklyn uh, where they're really just ostracized and uh, just struggling to get by. Uh, so anyway, uh, in the UK in 1966, uh, the public prosecutor brought an action against the novel. Last exit to Brooklyn. Uh, the order had no effect beyond the, but the order had no effect beyond the borders of uh, Marble Street Court, the London neighborhood of Soho. 
Uh, so the book would continue to be published and sold everywhere else outside of that jurisdiction. Uh, in response, the prosecutor brought criminal charges under Section 2 of the Act, which entitled the defendants to a trial by jury under Section 4. Now, the jury was all male. And this is funny uh, for a variety of reasons. But the judge directed that women would be too embarrassed and upset at having to read a book which dealt with homosexuality, prostitution, drug taking, and sexual perversion. Uh, so basically, he was like, That's well, women... Voice. He was like, women women can't handle it. Women can't handle this. Uh, the trial lasted nine days, and the jury returned with a guilty verdict. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, so last exit to Brooklyn was uh, was banned. Uh, was the, you know, Selby was found guilty of obscenity. Now, of course, you know, Selby was an American author, so he didn't go to jail or anything like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, last exit to Brooklyn because of all those things I mentioned. Uh, and one of the big things that, that got in so much trouble is the homosexuality in it. Because um, one of the main characters in one of the segments is uh, transgender for one thing. And another character, one of the other segments is a closeted homosexual, uh, who, you know, lives a heterosexual life, but like in the, in the after hours of his life, he's living this hardcore gay sex. Like, you know, like he's, he's kind of overdoing it, you know, because he's so stifled in his everyday life that like in his private life, he's just out of control, like with, uh, all sorts of like gay sex and all sorts of crazy shit that he's doing. Um, kind of like the modern day, uh, like, uh, Christian, like evangelical preacher type of thing. Yeah, no, really, that's exactly right. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Where it's like in his everyday life, he has to be like, Oh, I'm the straight man and I'm totally not gay. And here's my wife and here's my life. And, and then like, and then he's hey, like, I'm not gay. Like if you meet I, somebody yeah. and the first thing they say is, Hey, I'm not gay. Yeah. Then, you, then, you, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean. yeah. And that's the thing is like in the meantime, you know, like they're they're banging people in, you know, truck stop bathrooms and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah. And so, so that's where like this this book got into you know, all of its trouble. Uh, but anyway, uh, two years later, when it came to that obscenity verdict, um, an appeal reversed the ruling. Uh, the case marked a big turning point uh, in British censorship laws. Uh, by that time, the novel had sold over 33,000 hardback and 500,000, half a million paperback copies in the United States. Uh, and it's, it's still considered uh, an American cult classic. Uh, I consider it a classic period, but uh, because of its content, because it's so extreme and unflinching in the way it, uh, it, it, uh, it displays uh, life in the inner cities, in the projects, uh, you know. Um, in the ghetto. In the ghetto. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's about ghetto Brooklyn. Uh, and, and in fact, like, you know, he was, you know, because Selby himself grew up a, a very, very hard life, you know, with, um, you know, health problems and was uh, also, a, a, a you know, a morphine addict and everything. And he's from Brooklyn and he's talked about how, the Brooklyn in his novel isn't necessarily even Brooklyn. It's just, it's the projects. It's American projects, you know, that what it represents. Uh, and because the because the stories he tells are so true to life, that's where people get the, the biggest horror from it and get the biggest offense. Because this is real shit. You know, this is like how awful life was for people like him, you know, yeah. and... And so that's that's the 
the brilliance of that book. So again, uh, I've talked about Selby many times uh, on the show. I even you know mentioned uh, on the band movie uh, episode we did, uh, mm-hmm. the last one that we did, that uh, uh, Requiem for Dream was a movie that was uh, ran into censorship issues, and that's based on his novel, Requiem, Requiem for a Dream. Uh, he wrote several books that I love. I've talked about The Demon, Song of the Silent Snow, uh, but he also has, you know, The Willow Tree, The Room. They're just, just really a, a fantastic writer that I devoured when I first discovered him when I was in my early 20s. Um, and I still consider him one of my biggest influences. Uh, anyone who reads my novel, They All Died Screaming, um, can see the influences of Selby's work uh, in in that. In that I have these characters where people are like, I don't like these characters. You're not supposed to. These people are fucked up. What you're supposed mm-hmm. to see in Selva's work and what I tried to achieve in that book uh, is that these is that the people you don't like uh, are still people uh, and that maybe there's reasons they're as fucked up as they are. So. No, I, I man, I totally. I love that kind of shit that like just to mention, like we've talked about some of the things like as far as irredeemable characters go, like uh, always sunny in Philadelphia, those characters. I mean, <laughs> of course, it starts with married with children, you know, the, 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 they're, they're irredeemable characters really at the core of it. Like they're mm-hmm. just awful to each other. And, and but in always sunny, it's even amplified. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. There's not one good quality about any of them. No, no. But, but that's, you root for them and you love, I mean, you love them. And is that not sure. a, a good thing to draw or no? No, 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 that, that is, that is. Uh, I think that's a little different because it's comedy. Oh um, yeah, right. You're right. You're right. You know, like I, I, you don't take it as seriously. Like, you know, if like, if those same stories, the same things that people like that, the gang does on, on Sunny, if it was done in a more serious context, like they would be much more loathsome, uh, you know, but it, but it's funny. So, you know, it's a different thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, the irrede- irredeemable characters. Um, uh, but what I what what Selby did and what I tried to do uh, in that particular book is that is show like uh, that these people in society that are like considered just waste of life and horrible and you know the 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 drunks and the drug addicts and the prostitutes like not only are they people but maybe there's a reason that they're as fucked up as they are you know and like selby was a master at showing that it's like introducing these characters who are just like oh god and then you're like oh man that's that's awful that they're like that that they became like that because of circumstances yeah. you know so Very so anyway cool. yeah all right um, you're, up, you're up next chicken I'm, butt. i'm up chicken nut um suck suck my f- chicken this is what butt. Chicken butt and chicken nut. This is a book uh, I've talked about. <clears throat> I've talked about in the past. It's one of my favorites. It's in my top five for sure. Um, this is Slaughterhouse Five by uh, one Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, if you've seen any like weirdo, I shouldn't say the weirdos, but like people with like the so it goes like tattooed on them somewhere, like that is what that is from. Um, this is one of my all-time favorite books. Like I said. Uh, from one of my all-time favorite authors. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could say like uh, he, you could see his writing in mind. Like you were talking about specifically like Hubert Selby Jr. Influencing like a certain thing. 
but the the way that he does the he injects humor into things and also Kurt Vonnegut has like this joined universe that's like not uh, it's like uh, it might as well be accidental it, it, nothing is related upon any of the stories but there's so many things that are joined throughout all of his books and uh, I love that but this book in particular uh, Slaughterhouse-Five is about one gentleman Billy Pilgrim who gets he's in World War II he's a soldier uh, for the United States and he gets captured and he goes to Slaughterhouse-Five that is where the prison camp that he is held in um, with a lot of Englishmen and there's frivolity and uh, and songs and so much great things, but he becomes unstuck in time. <clears throat> and what that means is he is experiencing time uh, in a nonlinear fashion. He's jumping all over into his life throughout from the beginning to the end. He sees his death many times, sees his birth many times, and he has such uh, a fantastical life. He ends up being kidnapped by aliens and taken to uh, a space zoo. And all, and all of these interesting things happen to him. And some people, well, I mean, it's like, well, he's suffering such severe PTSD. This is just how he interprets reality now. It's an uh, escape. Yeah. Mental like escape. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, or, I really like the theory of nonlinear time, you know, but and then I'll, and like, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that again in a second. But this book was banned or, or came under controversy for things like just the usual stuff, sex, fucking violence, obscenity, language. But like it was also deemed anti-Christian and anti-American, anti-Christian because they sent him to the uh alien zoo and had him fuck he had to like he like procreated with another like they they had kidnapped this woman and put her and she was like a famous actress she was super hot and they're both just naked living in this like bubble type of zoo thing you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so like the aliens are watching them and they want them to fuck so they do you know and because they want to fuck too so uh and that was why it was like anti-fucking the religious right. way that was like that's that's fucking no good mm -hmm. but anti-american as well because just like the way they portrayed him and his attitude towards the war and then the way right. they portrayed the, the prison camp and all of that but here's another thing that uh to get back to what i was saying before about the the jumping around in time and does he have ptsd is this really happening this is something like that you wouldn't be you wouldn't necessarily you'd be like what i, I what the fuck these people are but but it, it it was banned or controversial because it challenged the idea of free will hmm. because he was he was unstuck in time and he was bouncing he was bouncing around and time wasn't linear time's happening like this we're living <laughs> we're dying everything right yeah. but no matter how many times we experiencing it or we are are experiencing it or experiencing it we cannot change it right that and so that was like another thing people were like well yeah. then we don't have was, free will then that's right that's, it was we, that's ridiculous it was it was fatalistic yeah so yeah, it goes against exactly. the whole concept of free will yeah um that's interesting that, that that's uh that definitely uh could raise a lot of eyebrows with people with that yeah. um 
Let me ask you, do you, do you think that it, that's what's really happening in the book, that he's jumping around, or do you perceive it as it is his own kind of psychogenic fugue state where he is, um, you know, that he is escaping into his own mind because he is in this, you know, Nazi camp? I choose to believe that he truly becomes unstuck in time. Mm-hmm. That he is, something has happened where he is, his brain has reconfigured into a way where that's the frequency that it now experiences time. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's just like that. That was the, what captured my imagination from the beginning when I mm-hmm. first read this book and then I watched the movie and then read the book a million more times. And that's just the way I, I want to see it. Like I, I see it mm-hmm. both ways. They're both valid. Of course. Like, right. We could, right. We could write a million college dissertations and get yeah, into yeah. Yale. If that, I mean, I mean, a va- you could be in Vassar. You know, I'm a Vassar girl, you know, but no, not Brown. No, not Brown. <laughs> That's my safety school. But... No, no, no. And I, it does. I don't think it takes away or, or, or I don't think it gives or retracts, uh, uh, yeah. detracts, uh, whether no matter how you perceive it, um, whether it's real or whether it's in his mind. Um, but, uh, it's, it's just something that, you know, I was just curious of what your take on it because it is your favorite your favorite book so well i mean they and they i have scenes where you know his his children is uh are his son and daughter are like kind of taking care of him at times because he is you know infirm in the mind or they think he is like he's he's kind of losing i but believe that i believe the term is insane in the brain he is insane in the brain in the, and also in the membrane yes uh but i but he acknowledges that like well they are just you, he, he kind of like shrugs it off in a way of like, well, I'll be past this anyway in a minute. So the way he kind of like perceives their help with him being like a, a fucking feeble idiot. He's like, well, fucking doesn't matter. You know, like, so it, yeah. I don't know. To me, but it's they're just also, like, but it could also be a shrugging off because they don't actually exist yet. True. You know, that's, that's where it's like, well, but that's some of the brilliance of the novel is, is, is like how it, it could or could not be reality what's actually happening i mean it is strongly strongly considered one of the great anti-war books ever written uh mm-hmm. and i think that goes into what you were saying about it being you know called out for anti-americanism because it was not just anti-war but very anti-military and very anti um the american uh, military machine you know yeah and and this is a one this is a book that I would say if you can find the movie, I thought the movie did these characters justice in the way that uh it, it it's done. So I don't I have no idea where the fuck it is or if you can find it right now. But if you're if you've read uh, please read the book first, but then watch the movie is actually the movie is actually good. It sticks to the the, the core of the book and it does not leave you wanting anything. That's one of the yeah. rare times that I'll, I'll say that uh, about a book and a movie. But I, and I also like, uh, you know, I saw this in a class actually in college, in college at Vassar. Uh, we, <laughs> you know, we watched this uh, in a, in a film appreciation class and it was cool to talk about this movie from this book that I, I really loved and I'd never seen the movie before until then. So it is a good movie. Read the book though. Um, and and uh you know it and we're unstuck in time time is not linear mm. time is your right time doesn't even exist well it does and it and it doesn't um 
I mean, it is a, a man-made concept, the clock yep. and things like that. But time is not something that we can deny. I mean, you know, like just look at how everything deteriorates and rots. That is the effect of time. So, well, time and Eric, fucking Eric. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but okay. Um, I don't either. Uh, you're up, right, buddy. All right. So, okay. So moving on. Next one. Um, this is my last one, and I have a lot to say about it. And I know some people are going to get pissed. So worst of times. <laughs> so uh, people are going to get pissed at me, but I'm going to fucking say it anyway. If you cancel me, go right ahead. Uh, it needs to be said. This is one of my all-time favorite books, uh, and it's a book that everyone at least knows of. If they haven't read it, they know what it is. Uh, it's To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Uh, the book was published in 1960 and was instantly a huge success. Instantly. Uh, in the United States, it is widely read in high schools and middle schools. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, it has become a classic of modern American literature. And uh, the plot and characters are loosely based on the, the author uh, Lee's observations of her family, her neighbors, and, and, a, and an event that occurred near her hometown of Monroeville, Alabama in 1936 when she was 10 years old. Um, so To Kill a Mockingbird has a long history with censorship. Now, if you've been living on Mars your entire life with your eyes shut and your fingers in your ears... Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is um, about a family in the 1930s in the South, in the American South, uh, and the father of the family, Atticus Finch, one of the greatest characters in, liter in literature, uh, he, um, he is an attorney, and he becomes uh, like a, a representative, I guess you would say, for a, uh, a black man who is accused of raping a white woman. Uh, and so that is the gist of the story. Uh, the story, however, is told from the point of view of a little girl, um, the, the child, the daughter of Atticus Finch. Uh, so that's important as far as perspective goes in the book, too. Uh, so it, it holds the slot in the American Library Association's top 10 most challenged and banned books. Uh, repeatedly pops up on that, even to this day. Uh, it's been challenged for the depiction of violence, offensive language, and most of all, racism. Uh, the novel is, uh, however, uh, like I said, it, 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 it's, it's a book that deals with racism, uh, but it shows it for how horrible racism is. And it did it at a time when it wasn't um, the typical thing for a white woman to write about. Harper Lee being a white woman. Um, the novel is cited as a factor in the success of the civil rights movement in the 1960s, however, in that it arrived at the right moment to help the South and the nation grapple with the uh, excuse me, racial tensions uh, of the accelerating civil rights movement. Uh, the book went on to win the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, it also won the Brotherhood Award, the National Conference of Christians and Jews. It won Paperback of the Year Award from Bestsellers Magazine. Uh, it, and the author, Harper Lee, she ended up getting honorary degrees from several uh, institutions. Uh, she also the, she got the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, for this book. Okay? So this is a great book, and it did great things. Uh, it, like, it, it teaches you 
uh, TJ taught people the importance of not judging a person by the color of their skin. So, of course, of course, people had problems with it. Um, and, of course, people tried to make it like they had a problem with it for uh, other reasons. Uh, here's a great example. Um, there was, uh, in the in, around the time that it came out, maybe a couple of years after 66, uh, a, a, a parent in Virginia, of course, protested that the use of rape as a, as a plot device was immoral. Uh, letters were sent to local newspapers, which ranged from amusement to fury. Uh, those letters expressing the most outrage, however, complained about Mayella Elwell's attraction to Tom Robertson over the depictions of rape. Now, Mayella is the white woman who accuses uh, the black man, Tom Robinson, of rape. Now, the thing you discover in reading the book is that she and Tom were actually having an interracial affair. Uh, so... People had problems with that and tried to get the novel banned because of the fact that there's an interracial, uh, not couple, but there's interracial sex that you don't see or hear. There's no graphicness in the book. But just the fact that the book says, hey, these two, maybe it wasn't rape. Maybe they actually were just having sex. Implied. Uh, people had a big problem with that, you know. Um, but uh, it, it's funny. I mean, This is really funny. I love this. Uh, upon learning that the school administrators were holding hearings to decide the book's appropriateness for the classroom, Harper Lee sent $10 to the Richmond News Leader, suggesting it to be used toward the enrollment of, and I quote, the Hanover County School Board in any first grade of its choice. <laughs> uh, boom! Sick boom! Burn. That is a sick fucking burn. I love that. Um. Go ahead. I read this book in school, um, in middle school. I still actually still have my copy on the, the bookshelf back here in the in the studio of evil from back then. Um, and we also this was another one that in my class, like this was in my fucking tier four smart people fucking class that I was in. Yeah, we uh, the teacher was this teacher was actually really rad. And she like showed us this and um we read this book and then she showed us the movie and we actually talked a lot about this book and all in the stories, but like, she also like, she, she read us like, this is how cool she was. She was reading us like some science fiction, like kind of series of a book. And now it's, it escapes me who it is, but there was a mention of a pentagram in it. And like one of these fucking Christian ladies in my fucking class went home and said something. And so the fucking, teacher the next time had to be like you can't read that book anymore um and i'm actually gonna let Lori come up here and tell you why oh, and so God. that girl had to come up and say and she came up and like i guess she'd agreed to it but it was like kind of one of those things like i'm gonna let you see how fucking stupid you are you know she's oh. like my dad was a fireman and somebody got into a wreck with him and they had a pentagram uh on sticker on their car and that, and I was like, <laughs> even then I was like, what the, what the fuck? fuck is this bitch talking about? <laughs> but I did read, like, I went and just got the book myself. And then I read like the subsequent books that went with it. Like, yeah. just like, because they were cool, but also to like stick it to her. I was like, what the fuck is this bullshit, dude? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, whoa, this is so weird. And you could tell that the teacher was like, fuck you, fuck you, girl, fuck you. Like, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to. 
yeah, we're going to get into that with um, with with teachers being centered by censored by stupid people uh, when it comes to this book. Um, and and I'm and I'm not talking about you know in the 1960s. I'm talking about now. Yeah. Uh, so here here's where it gets it starts getting really stupid. Um, okay, so by the 1970s, okay, uh, the book started to draw criticism because it it was considered that like the the racist whites uh, in the character in, in the in the book. Uh, were not were not a harsh enough uh, description of what uh, racist Southerners really were like at that point in time. That it like it 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 didn't present them as awful as they really were, and that's that could be that could be a fair complaint. Here's where it gets stupid though: is now now in 2020s, uh, people complain that the book goes too far, that it's too shocking and too upsetting. Uh, material to be taught in middle school and high schools um now again this fucking book teaches you that to judge to not judge someone by the color of the skin this is a pulitzer prize winning presidential medal of freedom winning book yeah but people people in our current hyper liberal woke society have a problem with it uh because uh, the N word is used 48 times in the book. Now, uh, there's several cases that have come up over the of, in recent years uh, regarding To Kill a Mockingbird, and they all make me sick. Um, following parental complaints about the racist language it contains, the novel was removed from classrooms in Virginia, good old Virginia again, uh, in 2016. So this is like five years ago. Uh, also in Biloxi in 2017, where it was described as making people, quote unquote, uncomfortable. God forbid you'd be uncomfortable reading a, an important book that's teaching you a, a, an important lesson. God forbid you'd be uncomfortable. Isn't that uh, what art is supposed to make you do? Think, feel uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 In the Mississippi case, the novel was removed from the required reading list, but subsequently made available to interested students with parental consent. So now you need your mom and dad's permission to read a book that you is like one of the most important books in American history. Uh, so such decisions have been criticized, obviously, uh, not just by me, but by people that are actually important. Uh the American Civil Liberties Union noted the importance of engaging with the novel's themes in places where racial injustice persists. Duh! This goes back to what Lee was saying, like, with, okay, here's ten bucks, why don't you go back to fucking first grade? You know, it's like, no fucking shit, dude, you know? Uh, Becky Little of the History Channel and representatives of the Mark Twain House pointed out the value of classics lies in their power to challenge the way we think about things. Uh, of course, you know Twain's uh, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn has been uh, has attracted similar controversy, I guess you'd say. Uh, civil rights leader Andrew Young says part of To Kill a Mockingbird's effectiveness is that it inspires hope in the midst of chaos and confusion, and by using racial epithets, it uh, portrays the reality of the times in which it was set. And that is the big issue here. Yes, the N-word is used, but when you are writing a book about 
about racism and you're showing uh, like the racist characters if you're going to admit that that word or or trying to soften it to uh, or to try to soften the situation so people won't be upset by it you're taking away from the horror of that situation you are doing a dis uh, an injustice to the people that actually suffered through that you know it's like, no, don't soften it so you won't upset people. Show people just how awful it was. Use that awful language. Use that awful imagery to remind people so we don't we're not doomed to repeat history. You know, show it in all of its awfulness so that we can really see it for what it was. Yeah, exactly. That's I was I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was like oh, on no, that Richard. same I was on that same path. Like, yes, it it need like it is awful, but like, but to take it out to neuter it is like robbing the power from like the book, like the the to, like you said to take away the horror, like so we don't fuck, so we know how awful that was, right? So so people aren't like if if it's just taken away, then we we got. I mean, there's there's generations removed from us, you and I, that like have a whole different concept and context for things and it, it's like listening to like uh like we're gonna listen to the censored fucking rat album from, from <laughs> fucking walmart or some shit you know i mean it's like that like you never know when they say fuck and then when you finally find out that they say fuck you're like your mind is blown and you jump right. off a bridge because you can't grasp reality anymore right. is that what we're doing is this what it's coming to yeah, I, th I think yeah, it's a little sorry. more important. I think it's a little more important with To Kill a Mockingbird than it is no, with a rat. A rat it album, is. But... It is. But I'm just saying. I was just <laughs> I trying to. Talk, I know. You know. I, just, I mean, I like, was just throwing in a little joke. Just throwing in a little it, joke. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm um, not trying to take what's important. Like it is. Like, but that's just an example that I can think of. Like, if you listen to a record the whole all your life and all this shit's taken out of it. Yeah, I just uh, I'm just saying it's more important with something like this where. Um, uh, where this is, they're they're softening it in an attempt to not upset people with reality. You know, the reality was that people of color were were you know killed and beaten and treated horribly uh, in this country at this point in time. Uh, and yeah, it's upsetting to hear about it. It could be upsetting for you know, people uh, of color, and it could be upsetting for anybody, you know, to, to, to have to, you know, hear about it or relive it mentally, whatever. But it's important that we not homogenize it, that we not tone it down. If we tone it down in order to not upset anybody, then it might not upset people. And that's a big fucking problem, you know, because then it kind of, it softens the horror of what people went through. And if you if you do that, then people could very quickly forget how bad it really was. And then it kind of opens the doors for this kind of shit to happen again. So to me, I, I, I you know, like I have a Western that I wrote and the N word appears in this Western and it's never used by good characters. It's always used by bad characters. But when we're writing in a, in a genre, in a time span where African-Americans were slaves, were slaves and were beaten and raped and brutalized. Like you think like you, you think I'm not going to use the actual epithets that were used at the time. Of course, I'm going to use them because that drives home the horror of it. That 
reminds people how awful things truly were. Uh, and that is the same situation with, um, you know, the, at a much grander scale. I'm not trying to compare myself to Kill a Mockingbird, uh, not by any means. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is a much more important book. Read that before you read any of my fucking nonsense. Um, but uh, so, yeah, uh, to, anyway, uh, civil rights leader Andrew Young, I was talking about him uh, and how he said, you know, it, it was important uh, that it used the racial epithets that it did. Uh, he also views the novel as an act of humanity, and that's in quotes, an act of humanity, in showing the possibility of people rising above their prejudices. And that's the importance of a book like this, is that people can rise above what they've been taught. You know, like, just because your parents were racist doesn't mean you have to be. You can rise above it. And this book, that was what the great achievement of this book, is that it was written, it came out in a time uh, where the attitudes expressed in it were controversial because it was like she had this daring idea that black people were human beings, you know, and that upset people, you know, and it was, and that was what this book really accomplished is that it, it worked very well alongside the, the civil rights movement and that it was like, Hey, you, you fucking ignorant assholes. Like we're all human beings here. Um, so, and you mentioned uh, earlier, John, when you mentioned Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, and much in the way Uncle Tom's Cabin is implicated in helping promote the, the U.S. Civil War, To Kill a Mockingbird is uh, implicated in helping the civil rights movement. Uh, one last thing I'll say about it uh, when it comes to the, the problem that we have uh, in this country, this growing problem uh, with woke culture of people trying like the like i've said this before the people on the left are bigger censors than the people on the right now that's just the way it is like it used to be these nancy reagan types who were just like super christian and everything and just just wanted to ban everything because it's oh there's too much titty there's too much you know there's too much drinking whatever it is now it's the people on the left you really have to worry about and that's fucking sad but it's true because they don't want to upset anybody so they're trying to crack down on everything and censor everything and uh, in relation to To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Arne Duncan, who served as Secretary of Education under President Obama, noted that re the removal of To Kill a Mockingbird from reading lists in schools was evidence of a nation with real problems. And I don't think anyone can say it better than that. I agree. I love that book. I, ne I never... I wouldn't think that it would ev evoke that much uh, controversy, but I guess it did. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. It's really insane. It's really insane. Like, they're, they're, really taking, holds they're taking this book out of schools, dude. It's nuts. It really, it holds a, a man, really reflects the ugliness of certain aspects of people still i guess the fucking woke censors man this is what i've been talking about like not enough people speak up against this like the f the far left is censoring everything and it's it's terrible it's terrible and i'm not trying to be political on this because the right are they're fucking horrible too are they all like i have equal hatred equal hatred <laughs> but uh but this is the truth man it's like like these people that they 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 may be well-meaning but they're actually censors they don't realize it, they don't want to admit it, but they're fucking censors.
if you're taking to kill a mockingbird out of classes because you're worried that it might upset people because of racial issues, you're stunningly stupid. You are like, my eyes are popping out of my head. That's like a luga, like in a cartoon of how dumb you are. This, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. It's, it's an ignorant, uh, you're right. Anything else uh, on To Kill a Mockingbird? No. That you want to go off on or no? I'm done with my rant. Thank you. I no, you're you're welcome. Thank you. Um. Oh no no, thank you. I'm gonna, uh, and now here I am to take us out on a puff piece. These fine (laughs) dogs are uh, here at the at the dog. They're they're dancing. (laughs) Look at them. Look at them. Oh, they got their little hats. (laughs) I love it. No, th- I, 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 I this, wish you had that now. Like I like I, I, I kind of do. Like Serb, I wish Serb, Serby was in here earlier, but he left. Get he him like, in here. Fuck, get him in he's here. like, fuck you guys. Yeah, he's like, you guys are taking things too. Nah, serious. he's emo. He's got like a big issue because he and I right now are like, you know, he wants tickets because the like to the new My Chemical Romance tour <laughs> is coming, and he's like fucking for tickets. But he, you know, I'm like, we got, you know, hey man, you know, I'm I can't just give him the tickets, you know. We got it, but we have a whole thing anyway. It's like I I'm not gonna get it. Dad. Yeah, know. it's kind of like that. He's got his eyeliner. It's weird, but you I know, know, it's Bear fine. Went, Bear went through that phase too. I know. I she's <laughs> she's better. She's a she's a better than all of us. She's mature now. She's mature now. But you know, they all go through that phase. That's right. This is her phase. Um. <laughs> so my last book. Uh, is a book that also you would be like, what? DeFouk? This is banned? Uh, but it's kind of like right up my alley is if you think about like the things that uh, I stand for and whatnot. Um, Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Oh, well, that's just trash. That's it's... filth and, and horrible. <laughs> that should but, be but... <laughs> Charlotte's Web is the touching story of... Um, a, a pig named Wilbur who, who has sex with a, with a spider and they live happily <laughs> ever after. <laughs> he befriends a spider and out in the pig pen and they become friends. Like it's this touching story and she has to die and the kids like the spider babies and like pig. It's it's like it's one of those type of stories. Spider and it's pig, spider, spider pig, pig does sorry. whatever a spider pig does. But it it. It was one of the books like I've uh, I've told the story before my other podcast about how where the where where the red fern grows was the first book that made me cry out like in front of people like because we were reading it in class and my teacher was reading it to us and she's bawling at the end and like that that just like couldn't couldn't help and then it. that girl stood up and was like he has a pentagram tattoo and like then yeah and then we kind of stop watching yeah. stop reading it it was fucked it was up over. It was like over. i hated that girl god she's such a bitch what a bitch i'm glad she got a nose job in 10th grade she needed it oh oh burn sick burn but 20 years too talking? late for her. what are we talking about where were you charlotte swift you you were reading. You said that, oh, like, oh, the, 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 the Reverend where the world from grows Char- made you cry. Yeah. Right, Charlotte's Web also is one of those tear jerking ones. But but I think I was like, I was younger, but still too hard to thirty nine to cry. Yeah, I was like, 39. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let it come out. You were thirty nine. I was thirty. <laughs> you're right. No, not you're right. Now that I think about it. Thirty nine. You're right. 
No, uh, but it, it's it's a tearjerker book, man, and it takes you on a ride uh, of emotions, and it does teach you a lesson. Uh, but the reason why this book that I think the, the this is so ridiculously banned uh, because it, it is banned or come under controversy because it is a sacrilegious book, and it's sacrilegious because the animals speak the animals talk unbelievable right? and and the exact quote is that hu- that that the humans are the highest uh level of god's creations and therefore they have the sole ability to communicate through speech Jeez. to have the animals speaking is an affront to god and his creation unbelievable do you believe Un- that dude unbelievable yep. <laughs> Jeez, that, and that's in the 2000s. That's not yeah. like, yeah, that's like now. That's now. Yeah. That's it's uh, insane. It's fucking insane. It's insane. Yeah, the fucking Christians, man. They're the, they're the goddamn worst. Yeah, it's, it's blasphemous and also unnatural. And then this also, they had a problem with uh, saying that the spider dying at the end was inappropriate. Spoiler, spoiler. Oh, I'm spoiler 75 <laughs> years later. Uh, for yeah, a children's that was book inappropriate it's a <laughs> yeah. it's the whatever but it it's just so and then out, this one i think is kind of interesting like uh like i think it was 2007 like some somebody like uh raised a flag about it saying the depiction of the pig talking could potentially offense offend muslim students <laughs> and and like they got like an answer from like uh, fucking uh, officials from, on there. From there Johnny that, Muslim, yeah. yeah, Johnny Muslim called him up and they're like, "Hey, guess what? This is fine. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Like, like, there's pigs in kids' books all the time. Like that's yeah. exactly what they said. There's kids, kids' books have pigs in them. Yeah, you, guys, long, uh, you guys, you, you guys, you guys, stop calling. How did you get this number? Yeah, stop, stop calling. Call. Stop as long call. as you don't draw Muhammad in your book, we're yeah. not gonna cut off your head. But and and you know that I'm sorry that, that was terrible for me to say that. No, that's fine. It's true. <laughs> but you know that that was like a white person that brought that up. I oh, absolutely. I'd offend the Muslims. Absolutely. Like not even like absolutely. That somebody that's so unaffected by it at all, just that thinks that they have to throw like their fucking. If I, you know that that's exactly what it that's, was. That goes into the whole woke culture thing, like I was talking about with Kill a Mockingbird. It's like you know, it's like. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time when you hear people screaming about people being offended, like, oh, this could offend people. It's people that never experienced what their word other people will get offended by. It's people that are not that particular race or haven't experienced that particular crime or rape or whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 unbelievable. It's unbelievable. These people that try to step in and uh, people just want something to be offended about. They want to have some soap a reason to stand on their little soapbox, you know? So. Can I share an anti- anecdote uh, relating to this? That oh, also no, has please. To do Go. with the real, uh, you know. Talk more about the book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, this isn't necessarily about the book, but but my wife watches uh, The Real Housewives, um, as you know. And they have these reunion shows that they talk uh, to each other, whatever. You know how reality shows are, you don't. But. No, the thing I, I like, I caught this like total like exchange between these two women, right? This is the Dallas one. I'm in Texas, um, and it's this, you know, uh, this Asian woman who's um, 
like she's a anesthesiologist. She's super successful, like super like young. She like did all this shit. And then there's just like this rich, this rich white Dallas woman that was already rich and then married into a richer family. Right. And they're talking and the, the Asian woman has put on her TikTok like she's doing videos about her and her mom. And they're like funny videos and like, you know, she's like playing her mom and then playing her. They're just like stupid little funny things. Mm -hmm. And this the woman, the other the white lady who is like. Says to her, I think I just think you're being racist against your own race. And I was like, I I, I was just like kind of caught that like in the I was like, wait, hold on. Take that. Let me hear that all again. Mm -hmm. Like in context, like what is that? It was the most ignorant thing that I've Jesus. ever, yep. ever fucking seen. And you could see, like, yep. that other woman was like, her face was like, oh, my God. And yeah. I was like, oh, drag her. Drag her. Drag her. But that Unbelievable. Was like, I was allowed that's, to watch yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, the kind of shit. Yeah. It's, that's it's this kind of shit. Mind-blowing and, and, times. And, like, that's uh, that's the crazy thing about censorship when you're, when like, like all the things that we've talked about in the last couple of shows, movies, books, music, um, you know, there, I mean, it's still, it's still the right. Definitely. Like there's just still those Christian lunatics and everything uh, saying, Oh, this is going to, you know, hurt the kids and blah, blah, blah. But there is now this huge censorship movement by the left uh, that is, you know, disguised as sensitivity uh, and now we have stuff like where these college campuses are, you know, against or like standing up against certain speakers. And it's like, the, like a college campus, this is where you're supposed to be the most open minded. This is where you're supposed to really absorb everything that's around you and like, you know, and really learn all perspectives. Now, I'm not saying they need to give a fucking pedestal to some neo-Nazi who comes up there or something like that. But like, um uh, Ann Coulter was like supposed to have a big, uh, they were supposed to have like a, 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 a speech or something she was supposed to do at a college a year or two ago. And the students like stampeded and did a, such a big demonstration that they couldn't do it. And it's like, well, I don't like Ann Coulter. I don't agree with the things she says at all, but this is supposed to be a, a place of learning. This is like, you you have to listen to other sides of an argument you can't just pick a side and that's the problem that we have in this country now is that people pick a side and they go along with whatever there's that side says they don't look at both sides of an issue anymore and you know like this is a problem like a, a college campus and like where, where it's like they're telling you what what they want to hear that's crazy you know that's crazy unfortunate it's like you don't want to hear Ann Coulter don't go to the fucking thing you know, I wouldn't, you know, fuck her. She's, she's, she's terrible, you know, but yeah. like, but to protest and like on a, to make it that she couldn't speak at a college, like that's, this is censorship. It's what it is. Doesn't matter that like that. Oh, well, she's a bitch. She sucks. But no, no, it doesn't matter either. Either you're for, you know, like free expression and free speech or you're not, you know, and again, this doesn't mean that she's not free of consequences. Don't go to the fucking thing. Don't go to it, you know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just, it's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy, you know. The shit with To Kill a Mockingbird is like, I'm just like, I'm just like, that's like the last straw with me. I'm just like, you people are out of your minds. You're out of your minds. Well, that certainly should put it into perspective. 
you know, yeah. for for people like To Kill a Mockingbird is uh, like you gave it you you spoke of everything about it. It's a presidential thing. It's fucking freedom. It's Pulitzer. <laughs> it's everybody. Freedom. It's freedom. It's dude. freedom, man. It's freedom. No, it it like no, it's like not like it's not some Johnny Come Lately book. That's not like we're just like we really like this book because no, like this has got like the cred. Like it's, this it's, is what a, we're up. This is like what we're up yeah. against. Learn, like this is learning. Like this it, is a real. Yeah, it's like an extremely important book, and it's not the right that's against it anymore. It's not the Christians and it's not the prudes that have a problem with it. It's the other side. And that's that's the, the problem I'm trying to point out now. It's, it's, it's not the squares. It's not the prudes. It's not just the Nancy Reagans and Tipper Gores you have to look out for anymore. Now you have to look out for the, the, the fucking you know the 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 left you know they have to ex the extreme left you have to look out for these these white women with dreadlocks who are coming to take away all of your art because they're saying that it upsets them or that it upsets someone that they represent or someone they love or someone they care about they're saying that it's that it's sexist or it's racist or it's misogynistic or whatever it is so you can't read bukowski you can't read american psycho you can't read to kill a mockingbird yeah absolutely right um when am I not? Never. <laughs> um, also, just you know, we are we aren't becoming uh, these Nancy Reagan right wing weird whatever. Like we're we're not in condoning it. No. Endorse. No. We're fuck just, them too. Yeah. Fuck, fuck them. them. I'm just saying, like, like we have it coming from both sides. For once, now, yeah, yeah. Problem. Now it's like we're being attacked by our friendlies. We're being, oh, we from both be sides. Both sides, We're being yeah. attacked from both sides. But when it comes to To Kill a Mockingbird, it's not the right. Like, they're not the ones coming after yeah. that book. Anyway. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's they, just... may, they may hate it deep in their hearts because it tells you not to be racist. Uh, and they're racist, but they're never going to say that. They're not coming after it anymore. You know? Mm. Now you have to deal with the opposite side. You know, the people that, oh, it might upset, might upset people. You know? So, oh, shut the fuck up. But anyway, you're right. Yeah, well, yeah. I think I don't know. I think maybe we we should bring it to a close before we get off on. Uh, I think we should give up. I think any more. I think we should give up before <laughs> we get on any more cancelable uh, rants. Or I don't care. You can on rants. Go on Twitter. Cancel me all you want. Like no, I'm just fucking. I'm just. I'm just being. I'm just being silly. I, no, no, I know. I I'm just saying. I, I anybody that, listening, uh, like, like, I will die on this hill. To Kill a Mockingbird should be in classes. Well, of course, yeah. I'll die on that hill. Fuck it. I don't care. Cancel me all you want. No. And if, if and like if you don't see how this whole woke culture is is an, an attack on your civil liberties, then you know, like then I don't know what to say to you. Like there's there's it's an there's it's it's definitely important to take people's feelings into consideration. But when it's coming to art no no like art should be art it, it 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 should not be constrained in order to make you feel okay that's not what art's supposed to be and it's a slippery slope when you start trying to get on these these things so yeah. um it's ridiculous but you know what's not ridiculous the reads that we do that are ridiculous well no, and uh ridiculous <laughs> you're right see i try to do like a double lo circular logic there to show you that time is a flat circle much like billy pilgrim 
experienced in a non-linear time. But this is uh, this wraps up our band series, dude. I'm sure that if if anyone has any questions or comments, please do call us on the Corey hotline, 832-930-1347. Leave us your message uh, of your questions, and we'll be happy to discuss further because, of course, there's many facets, and uh, this is a subject that we could do 100 episodes on probably yeah, if we wanted yeah, to. Yeah, but... We just keep going, but I think we need to – I think we can wrap it up with this one. Yeah, there's many other band books uh, and albums and movies, but like you yeah. know, we, we we this is not the band show. This is vital social issues and stuff. So there are other issues we need to bring up. So we need to get to these other issues, dude. Like we short do. shorts. We, do. we can't that... we can't do it all for you, folks. Halter tops. <laughs> it's summertime. We've got yes. a whole thing we got to get into. So you know. Oh my God! The the, the halter tops. Don't yep. get started. Tune Don't... in next week for the, the Halter Top edition, <laughs> part one. Ooh la la. <laughs> uh, we're idiots. Oh, thanks, man. everybody. Right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Check us out. ChrisandJohnWayne.com. K-R-I-S and John Wayne. Uh, Chris is at Coyote Chris. I'm at uh, Coyote Chris with K's. I'm at John Wayne is dead. Yep. And uh, I love you. Love you. Thank you.